0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoops on this Sunday, January 26, 2020. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, broadcasting to you live from the WBCA NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at d3hoops.com and, of course, Blue Frame Technology as well. It is a somber day in the world of basketball, to say the least. Uh, the death of the sudden death of Kobe Bryant today. No, he did not play Division three basketball. He didn't play any college basketball, to be uh, blunt. But he did uh, have an impact, and certainly Division Three has had felt that impact. Um, remember, the great Devin George of Division Three played eight years, I think, with Kobe, winning quite a few championships, six if memory serves. He also had an impact elsewhere. Remember, he's from Lower Meridian, Pennsylvania, and... Believe it or not, his assistant coach, his senior year, who was the brother of the head coach, was a Gettysburg graduate. I believe played, pretty sure played, yeah, played basketball at Gettysburg. Drew was his name. Um, was responsible for guarding Kobe in practices. And there's certainly other elements of it, as it were, outside of that. So, um, a somber day, and and really, to be honest with you, it's it transcends whatever level, and there are student athletes playing today or who have played or, or coaches who were impacted by Kobe and how he played. Um, there are superstars in the college game. There are superstars in the professional game who are impacted by Kobe, just as Kobe was impacted by his peers like Michael Jordan and the rest. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I was a Kobe uh, Bryant fan when he played. I certainly appreciated his game. I grew up and will always be a Michael Jordan fanatic. Always thought he was the best of the best. Uh, it helps when you grow up in Chicago that way. Um, and that was my way of, of being rooted in Chicago was Michael Jordan. So I'm not going to tell you that I, that I enthused or, or, or um, worked on every spin or every turn or every shot that Kobe took. But I appreciated the game that he played, appreciated how good he was, and certainly appreciated what he had been doing after the game. Now, there are certainly – no one's perfect, and there are certainly things we could discuss about Kobe's life, but what he has done. I mean, he's even an Oscar winner for his short documentary – not documentary, apologize, short film about the game of basketball. He was continuing to coach. His daughter was on board along with another player and another parent at least – turns out it sounds like there's nine people were on board, counting the pilot, I would assume. So eight others, including Kobe and his daughter, heading to a game in Malibu in an area I believe I've driven through. And so um, it was a big tragedy, obviously, in the game. But we salute Kobe. And as a result, we're going to try and salute him tonight. Believe it or not, had a short thought that maybe um, we would postpone tonight. But at the same time, there's a lot to talk about in Division Three basketball, and we hope that you will join us in celebrating the game, especially at the Division Three level. You can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Forget that email address, McHugh at d3sports.com. It's scrolling at the bottom of your screen. We're simulcasting on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville, and uh, we're simulcasting on YouTube, youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. I'm actually calling up the video because I forgot to do it earlier, or our simulcast, I should say, on Facebook. And so we've got that up. We've got the YouTube up as well. We see everybody there. We thank you for tuning in. And you hope you'll interact with us. Got lots to talk about. And we will also ask our guests most likely if Kobe was an impact on them or how that impacts the game. We did reach out to Devin George. I will be, I'll be honest with you. Kobe Bryant's death was pretty shocking. I think it would have been even more shocking if Devin George had replied back saying, sure, when can I be on the show? And that's just because Devin George is, 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 one, he's very busy. Two, it's a Sunday. Three, he's mourning the loss of Kobe, I am quite sure. And four, he's a very um, private person from what I've gathered. That being said, we have a, an open invitation to Devin if he ever wants to come on the show. We have an open invitation to a lot of people. I got an email... Indicating that, um, apparently, sorry, Elliot, I must have misspelled your name somewhere. Um, got an email from Gettysburg that there is a picture of the Gettysburg men's basketball team. I think if I'm trying to remember the email back and forth I had with their SID, Corey. Um, oh, I can't find it. Um looks like might have been in the 2007-2008. The team went out to a went out to California for a tournament, went to a Laker game. And it looks like they met up with Kobe afterward. Again, remember there's a there's a connection to Gettysburg through the assistant coach that Kobe had at Lower Meridian High in Pennsylvania and Gettysburg and there is a picture. I can't get it from where I have it now to you. At least I don't think I can showing Kobe with the Gettysburg team, the former coach, Coach Petrie, there as well. I tried to look it up. I wasn't able to find it, um, but we will share it if we can. So there's lots of connections here, even if they are the greats of basketball. Um, you know, I'm sure Duncan Robinson at the Miami Heat has a Kobe Bryant story. And by the way, Duncan has an open invitation to this show. So we, we have that in our minds, and, and some of our guests tonight we're going to celebrate and salute for how they're carrying the game forward themselves. Let's talk about some of those guests that we'll have tonight. Cameron Hill, the head coach of the Trinity Texas Women's Basketball Program. I'll talk to him about his um, what seems like unstoppable unit. They are on a 12-game winning streak. They are on top of this SCAC, and we will talk to him about their success 13th in the top 25 polls. I saw someone say, well, maybe they'll move into top five. I think that's a little bit aggressive. We'll talk about the uh, reactions, by the way, of uh, um, division uh, of the uh, of the poll in a bit. Um, but Trinity Texas looking pretty good. Uh, then we'll talk to Kerry Carollo, the head coach at Wisconsin Whitewater. The Warhawks women's basketball team is back in the top, the, MIAC con- or the WIAC conversation. Though appropriate enough for this show, and those of you who've tuned into this show for a long time, you will know that I joke about this. They did, unfortunately, lose on Saturday. Colby men's basketball coach Damian Strayhorn will join us to talk about the Mules. They are probably the biggest surprise in Division Three men's basketball this season. Undefeated at 17-0, and, and they are perfect in the NESCAC as well, as they got through a single-game weekend this weekend. We'll talk to Coach, uh, coach Damian about that. And then Yeshiva men's basketball coach, Elliot Stein. What, how is it, Elliot? You explain to me how it is. Oh, I found out where it is. Um, oh, and it looks like it's posted. I might be able to get that picture after all. Uh, I'm giving Elliot a hard time here, folks. Elliot Steinmetz, is it, Elliot? I kid. I'm hoping he's tuned in. Yeshiva men's basketball coach will join us to talk about the Maccabees. Um, Talk about a program that's got a lot of eyes on it around the world and carries a lot more than the game with it. We'll talk to him about that. Ryan Scott will join us later for his top 25 – or for the top 25 uh, double-take segment, um, Bob with the night off. Don't feel bad for Bob. He's had a wonderful weekend. Don't feel bad for Bob. Um, We're going to go a little longer. Normally I schedule it to go two hours and we go long. We're definitely going to go long tonight, though we won't go – I don't think more than two and a half, but Ryan will join us. A couple other notes that I want to get to around Division Three. First and foremost, um, Brian Morehouse winning number 600 at Hope in women's basketball. The fastest coach in NCAA history to 600. He did it in 690 games. You can do the math. He is 690 on his record. We will not have Brian on the show tonight. We will hopefully have him in the very near future. But congratulations to him. That is an incredible accomplishment Um, at any level, at any level. But to be 690, and you haven't even coached in 700 games, says a lot. Um, Also on the women's side, certainly plenty to talk about. Um, We mentioned upsets. Well, Amherst lost to Hamilton yesterday. We mentioned Whitewater losing that was to Oshkosh and Luther knocked off Loris actually won both games this season. So it was a bit of a rough day in the top 25 and we will double check just how rough a day it is in a moment. Actually I can do it now cause I'm already there. So we can dive in there on the women's side of things. Um, Also losing, Wartburg lost to Simpson. Of course, that was earlier in the week. We mentioned that on Thursday's show. Baldwin Wallace lost to John Carroll earlier in the week. Then the rest of the top 25, surprisingly unscathed. You look at 12 through 25, no losses, and only one team, I think, played a single game. That was Mary Harden-Baylor taking on Concordia of Texas. In the receiving votes category, somewhat quiet. Misericordia took its second loss of the season, this time to DeSales, and it wasn't close. 75-46, Misericordia uh, lofty record to say the least Illinois Wesleyan lost their fifth game of the season this time to Wheaton in their only game of the week Pacific lost to Pacific Lutheran after beating Willamette we talked to Pacific's coast on coach on Thursday she talked about this weekend needing to focus and they beat Willamette 62 58 but lose to Pacific Lutheran 61 58 that Northwest Conference race is a mess uh Brandeis lost to Chicago this today 68 60 for their fourth win of this or fourth loss of the season the game was in overtime again to a team ranked ahead of them UAA women's race is a fun one to watch keep an eye on that one NYU had lost to Chicago yesterday and then beat WashU. I think Wash U doesn't make I, I'm not gonna say I think I'm pretty sure Wash U doesn't make the NCAA tournament this year so that's a little bit on the women's side on the men's side Let me start with the play that you got to see Trinity and Connecticut college playing. uh, UConn college has got something like a 24 game conference losing streak on the line. They are in overtime Conn college. If you haven't seen it is on the line leading by two. We will pick it up there. There is half a second on the clock. And what happens next? You got to watch.
1: Second free throw by no of four no audio. Down to point .5 seconds It is good Four point lead Five seconds Shot goes up The buzzer's off It counts It does count It does count Oh my gosh They will count the shot Parizzi just threw up a prayer We are once again tied 92-92 to 92. He made it from well before half court but now there's, a, now there's a discussion. The buzzer went off not once but twice. So the question is, did, it get, did, it, did the shot get made when the buzzer went off? Was that, wow, what just happened?
0: All right, so we'll call that a 70-footer. Before you start asking questions, if you hadn't seen that video already, we're going to answer a few right now. First off, yes, there was an inadvertent horn blown in that. I can only guess that maybe, just maybe, the table thought there was a sub off of the made free throw. That's the first thing. Second, remember the clock does not start until the ball is touched. So as that ball is being thrown in, there's an inadvertent horn. That does not stop play. I have heard many an official yell out, keep playing play on against inadvertent horns they in a lot of sports those are ignored and third i do realize the clock does not start but let's remember the rule point three or more you can catch and shoot and it's considered legal albeit you don't take too long i'm not saying that a catch and shoot automatically means it takes enough time but if you notice that he does not touch the ball initially he waits for it to start coming up from a bounce grabs it in one full motion, shoots it. It was measured out by my esteemed colleague, Pat Coleman, at 14 frames. Now, if you're in television, like I am, most things are at about 29.97 frames per second, which means there's 29.97 frames per second. To make it easier for you, there's 30 frames per second of video. If you're curious, movies tend to be about 20-ish and super, super... um, Slow-mos are 60 to 120 frames per second. This is 30 frames per second, measured out at 14 from the moment he touches it to the moment he releases it. That is officially less than half a second. So that's good. By the way, if there was video allowed, the officials could, if they wanted to, go and time it themselves. That is allowed. The clock does not need to be the overall um, ruler there. That tied it, forced it to double overtime, and in a cruel fate to Connecticut College, who, again, coming into the game, had lost 24 straight conference games. They lost that one. One made free throw. They end a 24-game conference losing streak. Unfortunately, a made 70-footer, nothing but net, forces a double overtime, and now Connecticut College has a 25-game conference losing streak. Oh. In the meantime, in men's basketball another interesting week let's call it quick recap here because we do need to get on to our guests and others but if you look at the top 25 and i jumped into the wrong page i apologize uh nothing against uaa i will catch up on the thoughts and mindsets there um in the top 25 top five stayed unscathed this week including st john's who played three games this week and won all three two of them not even counting Marietta had a battle with Baldwin-Wallace. Remember, coming off of an absolute thumping by Mount Union on Wednesday, uh, they came from behind to beat Baldwin-Wallace 85-76. Platteville uh, lost against River Falls. And no, you didn't hear that wrong. Platteville lost to River Falls 74-68. That's going to make the Wyack race more interesting. Worcester at least got back in the wind column after losing to Denison. Virginia Wesleyan, who had lost to Randolph-Macon earlier in the week, beat Bridgewater State. Saint Norbert saw a 14 game losing streak come to an end to Ripon 70 to 52. Ripon held Saint Norbert three I'm going off the top of my head. 3 of 11 from three point land in the first half, 2 of 12 from three point line in the second half and also shot the lights out of the building. We've seen that bode well for teams. So Saint Norbert takes a tough loss there to Ripon. Whitworth lost to Whitman this week but then had a battle against Linfield. Linfield nearly knocked off Whitworth. And then Brandeis lost to Wash U yesterday. Probably not surprising. A lot of us have Wash U voted ahead of him. And then had a tough game at Chicago 63-60. So Brandeis actually had a good weekend. In the receiving votes category, East Texas Baptist lost to Belhaven. Pomona Pitzer lost to Occidental. That's a killer loss for Pomona Pitzer. Widener lost to Lycoming, 91-79. Stevens lost to Eastern. Uh, Augustana lost to North Central earlier in the week, but beat Carroll, but had to come from behind to do it. Stevens Point lost to Oshkosh earlier in the week, but beat Stout. Uh, Amherst lost to Williams, but beat Hamilton. (laughs) And Oswego lost two out of three games this week. Lost to Oneonta and Potsdam. They're now 12-4 and and beat Plattsburgh. I don't know what to make of it. That's why we have Ryan Scott coming on the show later. We can dive into our deep dive team, our debatable team, and our dubious team. Just checking real quick in case we got any questions before I get anywhere else uh, on this show. Uh, Jack says, as of today, center's senior class has now had 3,000-point scorers. Jacob Bates, Perrier's, I love Perrier's name, by the way. Just love it. Uh, and now Art Walker, also 5-6 shooting 40% from 325. Is, is, is ranking number 25 center a sneaky team from the south? Yes, Jack, and that's why we had him on the show recently. <laughs> We agree with you. That's why I'm voting him, and I don't have him that low. I have him in the middle of the pack. Uh, Drew says, any big news from Anaheim yet? Well, if you tuned in to Thursday's show, Drew, I'm just kidding, Drew. Uh, I quickly recap because I do need to get on to guests, and we can talk about this later. On Thursday, we broke the news that, according to my sources, the ACAA and CAC are merging as soon as next September, or really July-August area, to come together as a conference. I have not been able to get more news out of that, but with everybody in Anaheim, that makes it a little bit dip- difficult. We hopefully will get more news this week. We also broke the news that the regional realignment expansion plan has taken a significant step forward. It got past the commissioner's group with a by a significant margin. 40, from what I was told, 40 voted for it, one voted against it, and two abstained. I can guess the abstain- abstentions, but I'd have to see the official record. Um, it now goes on to the Management Council, which will meet next month. Most likely will be rubber-stamped there. I'm sorry, it goes on to the Championships Committee next month. Most likely be rubber-stamped there. And then we'll move on to the Management Council meeting, I believe, in April. And likely will pass there. So in 21-22 academic year, basketball will likely be at 10 regions. As far as other news, I am glad you asked that. I quickly checked a few things Things that passed, and there's a couple that I have to look into as well, so forgive me, I don't have all these answers here, but reducing the process to, div- to enter Division three from four years to three passed overwhelmingly, both for a provisional institution and for a reclassifying. Remember, provisionals outside of side of NCAA reclassifying is in NCAA, so a Division one or Division two, moving to Division three, or an NAIA, for example, moving to Division three. Uh, those have all been moved from four to three overwhelming vote um the provisional one was 455 to 24 and the reclassification was 448 to 31 with one abstention um by the way there's a snacks thing if you really want to look into it that passed just as overwhelmingly uh there's some other things that have nothing to do with basketball um leadership um out of season involving athletics related information and content was approved by a close margin, 293 to 180. I'm a little surprised by that. I thought some people might find that a little bit problematic. And there's some other things in there. Two notes that I got to look into. There was a practice thing I need to check that I want to see if it passed. It has some weird wording. Um, Basically, captains could have practices reserving time and exclude other members of the campus or basically close the gym. I'd like to see how that voted. I don't know if it did. The second one that went that I'm, we were watching with St. Thomas. From what I read as of Friday, D1 had met. They, had, they did not have a formal vote that I'm aware of, but it looks like they have taken steps forward to have this process in place that would allow a qualifying school from Division Three to jump to Division One without going through Division Two. However, it also put a date on things that St. Thomas is likely not to know its fate with Division One until April 24th or 25th when the appropriate committees have met and a final resolution is made. So I will say this, the idea of St. Thomas going to Division One is not dead, but it's not confirmed yet, and unfortunately they keep pushing the ball further down the road, which isn't surprising. I wonder, and i got to check with sources, I do wonder if St. Thomas maybe takes an adage of going, we're going to go one year independent to allow this process to be a little bit better and then jump to Division One. So one year out of the MIAC as an independent. It's not ideal, and I am not pretending it is. We know that from the Thomas Moore experiment. But just because schedules are starting to become problematic. By the time this passes, there are some sports that are going to have a year to get schedules put in place, and I don't think that works. So I do wonder if maybe there's a thought of St. Of Thomas, Thomas pumping the brakes a little bit and slowing things down by about a year. So there you go. Um, Where's Thomas Moore? Thomas Moore is now in the NAIA. They left Division Three, as everyone expected them to do so. All right, going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get going with our interviews. Trinity, Texas Cam- uh, women's coach Cameron Hill will join us to talk about his team and the success the Tigers are having, especially in the SCAC and plenty more. you are listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this.
5: I'm a Division III student-athlete and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
6: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
5: If you can play, you
1: can
3: play in Division III.
1: I'm a Division III student-athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III.
7: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
8: I just wanted to get good grades and to do well, but I also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals.
9: You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside
1: of that, and it's all about growing as a person.
8: My coaches have helped me with figuring
1: out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed
8: welcome back to hoopsville i'm Catherine bixby head coach at johns hopkins university and a member of the women's basketball coaches association i hope you're enjoying the show now back to dave
0: welcome back to hoopsville thank you to the head coach there of johns hopkins for the welcome back appreciate that if you've got any questions for us tweet us at d3 hoops or hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or or i'm sorry email us dave.mchew at d3sports.com can't lose the the mentality sometimes you can also join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Also simulcasting the show at D3 hoops. I'm sorry, YouTube at D3 Hoopsville. Um, let's see here. Uh, Andrew, I know you want me to talk about Coach Mo at Hope. I did. I did. And now we're moving on. Um, let's talk more women's basketball. Uh, you can continue to interact with us. And, and by the way, if you're watching us on Blue Frame, don't leave that uh, on our streaming provider. Don't want to lose that. 15-2, ranked 13th in the country, sitting on a 12-game winning streak, including a win this weekend against Texas Lutheran, 82-57, and Southwestern, 70-38, in their home confines, which they have enjoyed for the last four games. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopso Hotline, it is Cameron Hill, head coach of the Trinity women's basketball team out of Texas. Coach, first and foremost, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. <laughs>
10: It's always a pleasure, Dave. I, I really appreciate you thinking to have
0: us on the show. Uh, I appreciate it as well. I was thinking back a couple years ago, I had you and, and uh, Cunningham on the show because I was visiting the lovely area of San Antonio for the NCA convention, and I thought to myself, first and foremost, it was wonderful to have you on the show. Second, as much as Coach was wonderful to let me stay at his house, um, you really made the show, not packed. Um, that's in case Cunningham's tuned in. Um, yeah. First and foremost, you got to be thrilled with where you guys are. 15-2, and, and and I, I don't want to be Cavalier, so take this with a grain of, of sand or whatever they say. I almost expect you guys to be good now.
10: I, I mean, I appreciate that. You're someone that has a great frame of reference to our level, and you do your homework on the entire country. So for you, for you to say that means a lot to me. Um, I think this team is an incredible reflection of the work that we put into making this program what it is. And, uh i got to be honest with you, I'm awfully proud of them.
0: Is there an element here that we don't appreciate, or maybe this is what maybe more student-athletes should appreciate? Texas is a huge state. It, we know it's got a ton of talent. You look around at any sport on the D1 level, you're going to find some standouts from Texas. You, we've always made the argument there's always great players that you don't realize who are playing in Division three. You always seem to find them in the great state of Texas. Do you have to sell them on Division three, or is it now known that they can be just as good as their brethren in high school at the D3 level?
10: Yeah, no, I think it's becoming more more prevalent that they understand that the Division three opportunity is a real one, um, that the basketball is extraordinarily competitive, and uh, a lot of that has to do with, you know, you guys giving us a platform to advocate for it on a national level. Um, you know, our roster now spans from coast to coast. And when I first took the job at Trinity, they encouraged me to not go east of the Mississippi uh, <laughs> because it, it became so dense and there were so many schools, you know, you just weren't going to win. And, and I just kind of like little, little by little, you know, we've kind of been able to infiltrate that side of the country. And, you know, you're not wrong. Texas is loaded with talent. It's also loaded with really, really competitive schools. Um, and it's a, it's a great opportunity just staying at home to compete with some really good teams and good coaches.
0: Yeah, you mentioned it, Arizona, California, Missouri, Georgia, Uh, some of the teams, or Oklahoma, I shouldn't forget that one either, some of the ones on your roster. Uh, I got an email from somebody indicating there was someone whose family actually moved from my region to Texas and now happens to be on your team. They're not necessarily tied together, but just shows that there's talent everywhere on your unit. You guys, though, that being said, and me kind of used to you winning, you know, had an off year not too long ago. uh it kind of felt weird to be honest with you because I'm used to the 21 seasons and and the domination was that a good reset point for the program
10: you know we still won 20 games um, True. we had a, we had an unfortunate illness late in the season going into the conference tournament and we ended up losing in the championship game right um and, and you know it means a lot to me that that for you is considered an off season because <laughs> I kind of agree with you you know I mean Compared to a lot of schools, that's the type of success that they're looking for. And for us, not getting to the NCAA tournament was a definite indication that we need to come back to, to the drawing board this season with a motivation that is, I think, being being reflected in how we're playing right now. Um, you know, we went out and knowing that with St. Thomas and Johnson and Wales being schools in our conference that won't count for us in the region, we, you know, we tried to at the best of our ability to put a schedule together that was going to give us a fighting chance with the strength of schedule when it's all said and done. You know, I think we've stood up to that exceptionally well. Um, I'm not sure it'll help us in the long run, but, you know, I think for us in the SCAC, it's always going to be getting that AQ. Um, But having said that, being able to stack up against some of the better teams in the country and perform the way that we have has been a really, really good measuring stick for our girls.
0: When you look at what you did last year and coming into this year, I almost feel like Another thing you've, you've taken from all of this is, hey, you know what, we're going to try and bolster ourselves a little bit out of the conference. And I know you've never shied away from it. Don't get me wrong. But I look sure. at George Fox out of, the first, out of the gate, St. Thomas number two, Hardin-Simmons obviously out of conference in East Texas Baptist and Texas Dallas, Puget Sound, Pacific Lutheran. Those were the first seven games of the season. And all seven of those teams in some way has been in the national conversation, even if it was me mentioning Pacific uh, Pacific Lutheran tonight, um, th- that's that's a significant step up. And some of those games were at home, so you're enticing teams to come to you.
10: Right. It's it's happening. No, there's no question. And, um, you know, we've been able to develop a relationship with these schools over the years, whether it's, you know, going to Minnesota the year we were in the Sweet 16 and, and developing a relationship with St. Thomas that weekend. You know, that, that ended up with them inviting us back to, to play there, and, and then they reciprocated with the trip to us. We've always had a great relationship with George Fox, and the Pacific Northwest has been a, a very comfortable place for me since I've been at Trinity, and, and the schools up there are great. Um, Puget Sound always has a great program. Whitman always has a great program. Um, you know, Pacific Lutherans always been gracious and invited us to their events, which is always helpful for our scheduling. You know, and then you got the, the local talent with East Texas and UTD and, and obviously Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor. They're, they're all always available um, you know, so we, we've done the best that we can to try to create a platform where we're seeing what we think is as close to the national competitive level as we can put together down here.
5: And
0: again, as we mentioned, 15-2 and two on the season. You're now 175, 175 wins and 38 losses. Uh, sure. A little reminiscent to what Brian Morehouse is doing up there at Hope and G.P. Grimacki is doing at Amherst. But maybe without as much pomp and circumstance as those two have gotten um, sure. What does it mean, though, to to be as successful as you've been? Because as we've talked about in the past, this was a bit of a leap of faith jumping into the women's side of things.
10: For sure. Um, it's been the best decision I've ever made as a basketball coach. I can't tell you how meaningful my work is to me because I know that, you know, the, the interest my team has in winning and the interest my team has in, in the work that we do is the same as mine. Um, and I'm not sure that that's the situation at most levels nowadays. So. You know, I, I'm just humbled by the opportunity to work at my alma mater, and I, I truly do value every moment I have with this team. And, you know, the results speak for themselves, but I'll be honest with you, Dave, the credit goes to the girls. They're the ones that do the work.
0: Well, as old coaches do, they defer to their team. And it's a nice segue <laughs> for me, to be honest with you, because I was about to dive into the team. <coughs> Excuse me as I choke on my water. Abby Holland leading the way as a senior, 18 and a half points a game, also pulling down nearly seven rebounds a game and having out two and a half assists a game. Oh, by the way, she steals three a game. <clears throat> I'm <laughs> proud. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not that choked up. Um, <laughs> Emily Daniel, a junior at, a, at ten and a half points a game. Kelly Simmons, sophomore at ten and a half points a game. Ashlyn Milton, a freshman. I'm going to mention her at, at double digits because she's at 9.5, so that can, that can fluctuate at any point. Simmons also has six rebounds a game got a nice little group there and I'm not trying to ignore anybody else like Mueller, sure. Ackerman or Rudd but that that group of four there gives you so many different options.
10: Yeah it's it's truly an example of blended talent I mean the Jordan Rudds and the Julia Ackermans absolutely make the Abby Hollins and the and the Ashton Biltons and the Haley Coleman who just came off of Tommy John surgery and obviously Kelly Simpson just had an incredible year for us Emily Daniel is She's an amazing, just an amazing human. Um, but, but her ability as a basketball player is a a perfect ingredient to the recipe that is Trinity women's Soups right now. And, you know, I really do think that's what it, what it has become. That locker room is extremely special and and they protect it with every piece of being in their body. And, uh, I, I just couldn't, couldn't ask for a better group of kids with, with the ability that they have and the way that they work together. Um, it's really been incredible. And, uh, it makes every single day just, just amazing, and it makes you want to coach every single day of the year, and it, it makes you not like the Division Three model because it forces you to let them go for <laughs> two-thirds of the season, but, you know, but it also makes you appreciate the Division Three model because you don't take any of these days for granted, sure. so, you know, it, 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 it's all kind of happening here, but, you know, Abby, to speak on Abby just, just quickly, she's I don't know that anyone's ever embodied what we want to project as the perfect Trinity human being as much as she has from a leadership standpoint. Obviously, she's talented. She's beautiful. She's going to be successful in her life, but she has forced her will on this group this year, and they have willingly followed in her footsteps, and it's it's pretty remarkable.
0: When you talk a little bit about, um what you guys are doing you know we we look back at seasons where you got to the sweet 16 you know one loss and unfortunately take a loss there and stuff and do you ever feel like you're unproven to the larger scene where you've proven it to yourselves you've proven it in conference but do you feel like there's a lot of unfinished business or or naysayers you still need to kind of go out there and show
10: I don't really look at it like that. I'm not one of those guys that talks about how everybody doubts us and we have to (laughs) prove it to everybody all the time. I think that's a bunch of nonsense. I think that our biggest challenge is to fight our way, like I said earlier, east of the Mississippi in this tournament. You know, find a way to get there and then find a way to get out of Texas and then find a way to go and have a platform to demonstrate our abilities to those schools over there. I mean, that's the opportunity that I want. Sure. And I think that's the opportunity that this team wants. So, you know, just – continue to take it day by day, continue to go into practice every day and, and work to get just a little bit better, use the rest of our conference season to, you know, you know tighten the screws and see what happens. I mean, anything can happen. We, we learned that today.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, anything can happen because you've also learned that, you know, it, last season um, and, how it, and how it ended unceremoniously to some degree. Um, let's talk about this conference because, first and foremost, the best way into the tournament is the conference and getting that AQ where St. Thomas of Texas is now new. And by the way, too many St. Thomas's now. Um, yeah. There's a conspiracy theory that I've just made up on the spot that Texas, St. Thomas, Texas was coming in because we all knew St. Thomas, Minnesota was leaving. Um, I'm just joking. Yeah, uh, yeah. They that's don't necessarily – yeah, I, very tough. <laughs> uh, they don't count necessarily, but they're sitting behind you guys a uh, game and a half at 9-2, and 14-4 yep. overall. They're certainly going to be a factor in the years to come. Austin, who we've gotten used to being kind of in the fight with you the last few years, is right behind you at 8-2. and two. Um, The rest of the conference doesn't seem as challenging. Colorado College certainly has a, a wonderful schedule. Is this a matter of making sure to not overlook even the, on paper, lesser opponents? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but just making sure the players understand the significance if you can't lose a game or we put ourselves in a tougher spot?
10: For sure. I mean, we, we, we don't differentiate between what the paper says and what we have to do on the floor our preparation and our week's worth of work going into every game is the same um you know we watch the film we practice what they do we we come up with our counters and and we come up with our strategies for every opponent because there's there's opportunity when you're trying to build a bench and when you're trying to build confidence with your group to to learn from every single game that you play so whether you know, we're going to Sherman to play Austin when they're undefeated, or we're playing University of Dallas the night before in, in Dallas. Those are equal opportunities for our team to learn and grow and play together and enjoy this experience. Um, you know, you mentioned St. Thomas. I'm so happy that they're in the conference now because they have really talented players. And I've known Jay for a lot of years, and she's she's a worker and she's a really smart coach, and she's done a really great job. And I, I feel like they'll make our conference more relevant um, mm-hmm. as we move forward, sure. which we, we we really do need. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Michelle fan, too. Austin College is always good. I love the way they play. I, I mean, we, we meet, meet them in recruiting quite a bit, so – you know, I'm a big fan of what they're doing as well, and you know, relish the opportunity to compete with them. Sure. No,
0: it's great to see the conference get more competitive. I'm all for it across the board in any conference. So it's great to see. For it.
10: sure. A yeah, couple, of pers-
0: couple of personal questions. First and foremost, we mentioned 175 wins. We mentioned Brian Morehouse at 600. Of course, Pat Cunningham reaching a milestone uh, just in the last week or so. Uh, so you've certainly known the milestones. Do they matter? when you're at a number like 175 or would you love to get a a 500 a 600 or or something along those lines in your career
10: if it's meant to be you know I mean (laughs) I I I tell our SID all the time he needs to make sure that he makes all of the record information available in the recap because I don't pay attention to any of that stuff I promise you I can't see six feet in front of my face when it comes to this team (laughs) I'm focused on being as relevant to them as I possibly can be on a daily basis. All that stuff is, is, is for, uh, you know, for guys that like to read stats and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what I'm are you just, trying to say? I'm, yeah, I'm just, no, no, I'm, I'm just, just messing <laughs> with you. <laughs> we have an analytics intern on our bench now. Wow. So you're trying to convince me that analytics matter in basketball, so we argue about that on a daily basis. You and I could have an
0: interesting conversation about that.
10: I think, well, we have a lot of interesting conversations, Dave.
0: That's true. That's true. We just did for 15 minutes. Um on a lighter note, have you guys gotten a sponsor yet for your clothing attire?
10: Yeah, we haven't. No, we okay. have not. We, we, we roll with Nike as, a, as an athletic department, right. and uh, that, that works well for me because that's, that's, that's in my DNA as well.
0: Yeah, but the shirts, ties, and stuff. You look so dapper. I just didn't know if Men's Warehouse or, or Joseph heavy, Bank. Or...
10: It's just heavy stars. It's just heavy stars. It's just heavy stars. <laughs> just
0: heavy stars. That's all it is. <laughs> um, on, a, on a somber note, uh, obviously today the sudden death of uh, Kobe Bryant has got everybody shook a little bit. Um, yeah. And I certainly don't want to assume that Kobe had an impact on anybody. I already shared earlier that Michael Jordan was my guy. But to you, what, is, what, is, what was his impact on the game, and do you see it?
10: Oh, incredible impact. Um, Very difficult day for me. Kobe was a Mama Michael guy. You know, obviously, anyone that grew up in our generation is a Michael guy. It's not even debatable. But, but, you know, Kobe redefined work ethic as a basketball player. And if there's one thing that was incredibly influential from somebody who was my age, you know, I watched him play his entire career, and I never knew the name of his trainer. I watched him play his entire career, and I never knew how much money he made. You know, I watched him yeah. play his entire career, and all that mattered to him was the the product that he that he put out there on that floor every night. Kobe was never going to let a fan leave the gym without getting to see Kobe. And, you know, the thing that I'll miss the most is that I don't think that exists in our game anymore. And uh, I think he was just a shining light in so many ways. And it's a devastating day for basketball.
0: Well said. Very well said. Um, couldn't say it better. Uh, sure. With that, we will sign off. I could chat with you uh all night, but uh, we got to let you go. Uh, we will chat with you down the road, I know for sure. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in?
10: I always like to give you credit, my friend. This is a great program and a great platform for our level, and I really appreciate the work that you put into it, and uh, I'll keep an eye out for my swag package in the mail.
0: <laughs> I knew there was a hook coming. Uh, we'll, we'll get that swag out to you as soon as we can, but thanks for the kind words. Really mean it.
10: Uh, take, you bet, Dave.
0: Take care of yourself. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll talk soon. All right, my friend, Cameron Hill joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline again. They're fifteen and two. We didn't talk about what's coming up next. What's coming up next is on the road next weekend at Saint Thomas of Texas and at Centenary of Louisiana. Then home against Dallas and Austin before going on the road for three in a row against Denver, Colorado, and then they do a back. A, 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 they finish the season with a home and home with Schreiner. They they do this every year between Schreiner and Trinity because they're close to each other. But I don't think I've ever seen it wrap up a season but there you go we'll take a break when we come come back we'll keep going with the women's theme we'll talk to Wisconsin Whitewater head coach Carrie Carolo. the Whitewater Warhawks are back atop the WIAC and despite a a blip let's just say yesterday a stumble as it were that team is clicking along and maybe a, a bigger threat than people realize they're up the number six in the rankings we'll see what coach Carolo thinks about it all you listen to Hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios more Hoopsville after this
5: Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference.
1: Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills.
5: It's not just about basketball or it's not just
9: about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether.
6: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
4: For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that.
5: It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent.
4: And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation.
5: Our obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense.
4: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes.
5: And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive.
4: Be part of it.
5: Get involved.
4: You can make a difference.
5: It's on us
6: to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can.
3: I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
0: back to hoopsville everybody on this sunday evening the 26th of january a little programming note the marathon is coming up on thursday uh we're not as prepared as i hoped but then again what would any year be when i'm prepared the sunday before the marathon to be on the air with the marathon um many requests have been that we do some kind of fundraiser for us we will be doing that we'll also be sending out advertising packages i really hope to institutions and schools and everything on Monday with a a hope that maybe we get some advertising for the show, especially, but for the rest of the season with some discounts. Um, I'll be honest, uh, I'm looking at going to Atlanta for the men's final four. We'll see if that's even able to be done at this point in time. There's also some other extending circumstances. Uh, Gary uh, emailed me about Stevens with a question. Does it hurt? Their recent results, um, do you mean in conference, Gary, or do you mean overall, like maybe for a national point of view? Give me a little bit more in depth on what you mean by did their losses hurt them, and then we'll dive into that. Sticking with women's basketball, 16-2, and 6-1 in the standings of the WIAC. To be blunt, Whitewater is back. Um, I don't know if they necessarily went anywhere, but at 18-10 and 10 last season 10 and 10-4 and in WIAC play, and the last few years kind of been up and down. Um, I, I just well, I just don't know where programs go sometimes after that. Well, <laughs> Carrie Carollo's got her team right back in the conversation, if you didn't know. And, well, that always gets my attention. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to discuss it all. It is the aforementioned head coach and former National Committee Chair. Chair, That didn't make any sense. <laughs> Carrie, welcome to the show here on the Blue Frame Hot- Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Thanks for taking the time.
8: Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. It's always good to be on, and I'm excited to talk about our team.
0: Well, I mean, I know it was a loss yesterday, and we'll dive into that in a bit. But, I mean, still, 16-2. and Your last loss came to DePaul in overtime back before Thanksgiving in the middle of November. So you've you got to figure you're going to take some bumps in the conference, and you've got to be thrilled with how you guys have done so far.
8: Yeah, we really are. I mean, this is a team that um, we weren't sure how quick we were going to really come together and how fast we were going to figure things out. But um, we have some great leadership um, with our seniors and um, Becky Rader being one of them. She's just done a phenomenal job both on and off the court, really emphasizing to this young team what it takes to be a champion and what it takes to win tough games, you know, in conference and on the road and against nationally ranked opponents. So, um, I'm really proud of this group. You know, we weren't really sure as a coaching staff where we were going to be at this point, And um, we've really come together. And this is a very unselfish team. Um, a team that's very resilient, that has dealt with a lot of adversity, especially early in the year. And, um, you know, we're really looking forward to continuing our growth and, um, you know, looking forward to some hopefully some special things towards the end of the year.
0: Well, you talk about seniors. Let's be blunt. You've got two of them. That's it. And you already mentioned <laughs> yeah. half of them. In Becky Rader, um, who's leading the team in scoring. We also have Megan uh, Kakorian. That's it. This is this is a very, well, relatively speaking, young team. You have a, a good handful of juniors on this team, but you're doing really well for a program that's not, let's say, top heavy.
8: Correct. And I think that when you say youth, it's not necessarily in class, but it's probably more in experience. Mm. I think that that's probably where we really see our youth is that we don't have a lot of players that are playing for us that have a lot of, you know, competitive game experience, but um, they've really kind of come into their own. They've listened to their leadership. They've really listened and trusted us as coaches and a coaching staff. And um, that's really hard to come by it. A lot of times you get youth and they, um, they kind of aren't really sure if they want to buy in or they really want to believe in what the coaches are telling them, but this is quite the opposite. This is a group that's really interested in learning more and absorbing everything that we're saying every day, and um, and as a coach, that is, to be quite honest, quite a blessing, <laughs> and um, and so we're enjoying this group. They, sure. um, they're fun. Um, they're fun to coach, and they want to get better, and they want to learn, so... Um, we're willing to give them more every day, and so it's been, it's been quite exciting.
0: What jumps out at me is you've got Raider at, at 13.2 points a game, uh, and your top assist uh, provider, oh, geez, it's over two a game. It's almost three a game, I think, roughly in that area. Um, but then there's nobody else in double figures. Uh, Aaliyah uh, Grundahl could, is 9.8 points, so cl- certainly close. Um, and then it's Joanna Taylor at, at seven and a half points a game, seven points for Veronica Kieris, um, who I think a family member is listening to the show, by the way. Welcome. Uh, Abby, <laughs> Abby Belsner uh, at six points a game and six points a game for uh, Courtney Domans. In other words, okay, you've got Rariter, and you're scoring 70 points a game, though she's not scoring a ton, 13. You've got a lot of people contributing on any given night is what the, what the written side seems to tell me
8: yeah and you know I think on an offensive side of the ball I mean and we're very unselfish and I think that that's something that we talk about a lot and that we need to be balanced um, which is something that we have preached from you know day one of me you know being a coach of this program is that we have to be able to be balanced we can't be one-dimensional um, and that's what's really unique about this group is that they are very unselfish you know Becky Rader leads the pack as far as scoring goes but um, you know, it's, it's, it could be anyone, any night, and I think that that's what's really fun about this team is that um, it doesn't matter who scores or who gets the rebound or the big assist. It's always um, going to be someone different, and, um, and I think that they, are, they have accepted that, they're good with that, mm-hmm. and that's what makes this team great.
0: Fine, coach. We'll be unselfish. Jeez. <laughs>
8: <laughs> you're
0: right. <laughs> uh, the, what really jumps out at me, though, is you're only averaging 52.9 points a game allowed. So the defense is jumping out. And, and you're only, I mean, their teams are only shooting 33%. That's a low number from the floor mm-hmm. for anybody. They're only shooting 27.5% from beyond the arc, and you're out rebounding them. So it's, it's clearly defensive driven from what I'm reading.
8: Yes, and, you know, basketball IQ is a big part of this game and um, being able to accept adjustments, understand adjustments from game to game, um, being being able to really absorb the scouting report and what we need to do for each opponent. And this team really is, they really are students of the game. I mean, they want to learn, they want to make adjustments they want to um accept their role whatever that is and so i think that that's what's kind of fun about this group as a coach is that we can really throw a lot at them and they um are willing to be able to adjust to that and so i think defensively we've been a, been able to do a really nice job against our opponents but um as you and i know when it comes to postseason play you got to be able to put the ball in the basket yeah. and um, and that was evident for our team on Saturday night so or Saturday afternoon. So um, that's something we're going to really kind of focus in on and, and make some adjustments. But we have to be able to score. I mean, at the end of the day, you can really try to slow people down. But when you're playing against great teams that have great scores, it's hard to slow them down. And um, so you have to be able to score as well. So we got to be able to balance that out.
0: You shoot forty. 40- from the floor, Grundahl shoots 48%. But what jumps out at me is that you're only shooting 29% from beyond the arc. Is it just uh, not a significant weapon? Because really, you only take, geez, about 25% of your shots from beyond the arc. Is it not a significant part that that's not a worry? Or is that part of what you're saying about putting putting the, the ball through the hoop, as it were?
8: Oh, for sure. I mean, you, you definitely have to be able to score from the perimeter to be able to keep your post game in balance, and um, it's something that we talk about a lot, and this is where our team hasn't become a full, complete package yet, and we talk about that a lot, is that you know, you have to be able to not only score in the post and be greater on the rim, but you have to be able to stretch the defense a little bit and be able to score from the perimeter. So that's something that we talk about, and I know it's going to happen. As a coach, you always believe in your players, right? So it's <laughs> right. going to happen. Right. Sure. We're just waiting they're for that to, that to happen.
0: <laughs> well, they're listening, so of course we believe in them. <laughs> um, well, in the, interesting enough, if you look at the stats from the game yesterday against Oshkosh, you outshot them from the floor. 22 for 58 they were 18 of 50 you outshot them from Mm -hmm. deep they you were well equal five of 16 they were five of 19 the only thing Mm -hmm. that jumps out at me is you didn't get to the free throw line you were two of six for the game and they got 21 of their points sitting at the free throw line is is there an element of yes you need to score but you know what you also need to take advantage of, of opportunities and sometimes that means attacking so you can get to the line
8: Absolutely. I mean, we just, we weren't very disciplined defensively, which allowed them to get to the free throw line. And I give a lot of credit to Oshkosh. They did a fantastic job really attacking the rim and putting a lot of pressure on the rim, which defensively is always hard to guard. Um, So I give a lot of credit to them and their team. And Brad did a great job preparing them, but um, we have to do a better job of being disciplined both offensively and how we, um attack as far as just really staying within what we do and then also just you know really making sure that we're rotating properly and that we're defending the dribble a little bit better um but you know again i mean oshkosh did a great job so i can't really take anything away from them and and what they did and it's in our our conference i mean it's super hard to win on the road in our conference um i preach it to our players all the time Um, I thought, you know, for the most part, we did an okay job defensively. Um, But, again, we just didn't handle the pressure as well as we should have on the offensive end and um, some things that we can definitely learn from and grow from.
0: This conference feels weird this year. And, I, you know, I keep going through it trying to find what it is. Lacrosse is a program (laughs) that's usually been middle of the pack, 500 program. They are definitely a different type of team now. They showed signs Uh of that last year. Eau Claire struggled last year I think there were high ex- higher expectations for them last season and it didn't come through but now they're ten and seven but more importantly five and two in conference and Oshkosh who has been the one waving the flag the hardest for the last few years in this conference is eleven and seven four and three and so me seeing a loss to them to for you guys isn't shocking in any normal year except it's more surprising this year it does it feel the same to you because even Steven's point is eight and ten I love Shirley to death but I'm I'm used to yeah. teams that are that are better than that on paper. It's it does it feel different to you?
8: It does. It definitely does. And I think the thing that's different about the conference this year is there's definitely a lot more parity. I mean, every okay. game is going to be a, just an absolute battle. Um, it's it there isn't. It's not very top heavy as it traditionally is. Yeah. Um, I think on any given night, anyone can beat anyone. I think even you could throw in Stout has been um, just really tough. I mean, they've done a great job. Hannah's done a great job at Stout, you know, really pushing that team to to a lot better than what we've seen in the last few years. So um, it's it's going to be hard to win on the road in this conference. And then if you want to have a chance to to kind of, Step off is that you got to win at home, and that's going to be the difference for I think any one of us. So, um, but every team is brings a little bit different flavor, and I, right. I hear what you're saying. It's it's just um, everyone's doing a little bit different things, and yeah. um, some teams are a little bit younger. I mean, Oshkosh has got some experience, but they've still got some youth that they're throwing out there. I think Eau Claire probably has some. And lacrosse probably have the most experience returning, um, but you know they they definitely have still have some youth as well. So, um, and then you deal with injuries and all of those kinds of things too. But um, the conference is definitely strong, um, probably the strongest I've seen it in probably the last four years. So I think that we definitely have a chance to hopefully make a push for. Um, the national tournament for at least a couple or two or three teams, which I'd like to see because I think that we deserve it.
0: You only got three home games the rest of the way. Lacrosse happens to be one of them coming up this week, and then uh, River Falls the following week. Um, you then have to wait a while before you get Brad and Oshkosh back at home. So you got a bit of a road <laughs> games ahead, so it's a little bit of a challenge still ahead. You mentioned the national picture, and we'll talk a little bit about how you know that so well, but is it important to not only finish on top of this conference but take care of business um, or do you feel confident that this team has put a good enough resume together that you can you can I, I know this is dangerous to talk about, but you can handle <laughs> a, a bit of a blip on the radar as it were and still be playing in March?
8: No, I mean this conference is so tough. I mean it's it's yeah, we've got. Seven games left, and anything can happen. So I don't bank on anything.
0: Yeah, <laughs> don't blame with me. this
8: conference, you know. It's <laughs> um, you know, obviously we're focused on on Wednesday, and you know, we having to beat a, another very good team in our conference. So, um, but anything can happen at this point. Sure. And I like to think that our team is is prepared and confident and ready to go. And um, but you know, it's if it, there's a lot of basketball left to be played and. Um, and I like to think that our conference is strong enough this year that wh- whoever gets into the national tournament is going to do great because um, we've been battle-tested. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You look at our non-conference record across the conference. I mean, we've got Platteville who beat Warburg. I mean, it's you know every team has um, done just an incredible job in the non-conference season. So I think as a conference as a whole, we've definitely set ourselves up for, for success in the postseason.
0: Of course, you were the national chair of the National Women's Basketball Committee for a number of or at least one year. But I know you were involved for a number of years. Was your last year 2017, if memory serves? Yes. OK, Yep. I did have that right. Curious. Um, what's it like post committee um, in the sense of time on your hands? Let's start there. Um, <laughs> but also the ability to focus on just your team. And has it changed your mentality also a little bit, especially when it comes to scheduling or it comes to getting your team prepared or how you, how you kind of approach the season?
8: Uh, Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, it's, um, it's a wonderful experience as a, you know, as a coach, you get to meet so many wonderful people. I mean, I've made tons of friends and um, you know, people that I feel like I could reach out to and, you know, just for just colleague advice. Mm -hmm. And um, so from that perspective, it's been fantastic and, Um, but I learned a ton. I mean, I learned a lot about how to schedule and how important your strength of schedule is and how important it is to really um, keep the national picture in mind always when you're thinking ahead and um, putting your team in situations or positions to be able to play in the postseason. So, um, you know, working with with that collective group over the years has been just fantastic and you know having that collaboration with the NCAA is always just a great learning experience and um, I wouldn't trade it for the world Uh, you know it is a lot of extra time and a lot of extra um, phone calls and late (laughs) nights Um, but it's just you know all of that experience in itself I mean I think after I, I told myself I would take a break for a little while really to just focus on my team and my family but um, I think at the end of the day, I would definitely do it again. and um, I'm sure in the next couple of years you'll probably see me in that capacity again. but um, it's definitely a learning experience. Yeah. and um, it really it really gives you a different perspective of how you disrespect um, Division three women's basketball as a whole and how hard all of us coaches work for something that is, um, you know, kind of unrecognized sometimes, but we appreciate you and D3 Hoops and giving us the time to kind of have this platform because we do work, work very hard and we are very passionate about what we do. So um, we appreciate you and your staff giving us this ability to kind of tell the world, you know, what we're all about and how wonderful these student athletes are and all the um, amazing things that these young kids are doing for for the sport of basketball.
0: Well, we love doing it to say the least. Um otherwise I wouldn't be able to look my wife in the face. Um so uh, and the kids. I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. You're just paid a little bit better than I am, let's just be honest. Um before we let you go, today obviously a lot of people around the world shocked by the news of the death of Kobe Bryant. Um, again, Ooh. NBA star, we're Division Three, and I'm not trying to say we're so little of that, but we've already shown the connections that Division Three has to Kobe into the NBA. Do you have any thoughts on, on his sudden death?
8: Well, it's just absolutely just shocking and, and devastating, um, you know, not only for his death, but his daughter's as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have a basketball family. My husband and I coach together. My daughter's invested in basketball, my two boys. <laughs> play basketball so um, in this household I'm going to be quite honest it was quite devastating we watched a lot of CNN and Fox News today and um, just were really blown away by the news and um, I'm a California girl at heart and so for for us to hear that um, one of the greatest basketball players of all time has has passed is really quite astonishing and I shared it with my team and, um, you know, I know that it has affected them, but we have all grown up watching him, um, and his just not only his amazing basketball career, but just what he has done for his community and how he's given back and, Mm -hmm. um, his impact on women's basketball and the WNBA and Mm -hmm. everything that he has done for that. Um, we're going to miss him a lot and his, Um, advocacy for women's basketball and um, passion for his daughters um, is really going to be a hard thing to kind of see past. But hopefully through his wife and, you know, I'm sure she is hurting now and and will be for a long time. But um, hopefully, you know, she continues his legacy in in women's basketball for her daughters. And um, we continue to see that. But um, just a devastating loss in our hearts goes out to him and his family and his wife and her you know the rest of the family and Mm -hmm. the girls of course
0: I think you touched on something I don't think enough people appreciate and even I didn't uh, learn certainly more about it today was his impact on the women's game and the WNBA and how much he really was trying to have that be successful as well from a quiet point of view not from like throwing money at it but trying to be supportive of players and others
8: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, my daughter and I watched today, the Oregon, Oregon state women's basketball game and, um, just the impact that he's had on those players and how much that he just really wanted his daughters to see how impactful women can be and, um, in the sport of the game. And, um, so his connection with just people and he didn't, like you said, he didn't really do it in the media. He wanted to do it for his girls and, um, you know, he didn't really care to, to make a name for himself or talk a lot about it, but yeah. um, for women's basketball, he really meant a lot to us, so we're, we're going to miss him a lot.
0: Well said. Uh, great point, and thank you for sharing that. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. I don't know if, what you want to finish with, but if any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in?
8: Well, I like I said before, I mean, we just really appreciate you and your time and your efforts in D3 women's basketball and men's basketball, and how you always give us this platform to speak and talk about how important this game is and how much effort and time these non-scholarship athletes give to the game. And, um, it's, it's just a great thing to see how you support what we do and it's a competitive game. It's fun to watch. And we just hope that people continue to follow and enjoy what we do.
0: Well, thanks for the kind words again. I appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way. I know we'll be talking to you down the road. And at least you get to enjoy the final weekend of just games. Oh, the regular season. <laughs> you don't have to stress about getting on a conference call. Well, at least I don't think you do.
8: Well, thanks, Dave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Take care. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road.
8: All right. Thanks, Dave.
0: Absolutely. Carrie Carollo joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her coming on. By the way, she mentioned she's two wins shy of 350 for her career. Uh, she's a Humboldt State grad. She mentioned the California hook there. Uh, something about Humboldt because Redland's having a good season this year. Also a Humboldt grad. Um, She another note about Kobe in the women's game. Someone I heard a story today. Someone said, uh, you know, someone asked him about wouldn't you love to have a a son? You know, kind of the point being, you know, continue your legacy as a player. He said, why? I've got a great I got girls who love the game. I thought that spoke volumes As, as a as a father who has two kids who play basketball. And my daughter is absolutely loving the game playing in her very first year. I really appreciated that point of view. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk men's basketball. We'll head up to New England and talk to one of the surprise, most surprising teams in Division Three basketball, to be blunt. The Colby Mules are undefeated, undefeated in conference play and rising the polls to number five and maybe higher. What do we make of them? Their head coach joins us to talk all about it. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville to this.
7: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
6: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take
1: it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now.
4: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It
5: starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I
3: used to never really talk.
5: Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference.
1: Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills.
9: It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether.
6: I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football.
5: I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
6: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
5: If you can play, you can play in Division III.
1: I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family, so now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Email us, dave.mcugh at d3sports.com. You can also join us on, on Facebook and YouTube where we're talking about the show and interacting with each other a little bit. But you don't have to leave the blue frame set up if you don't want. Use those other avenues to chat with us, though kind of quiet on those uh, interactive rooms as of right now uh back to gary's question about um stevens basketball and whether uh their losses have hurt them conference and nationally i definitely think it's hurt them nationally i don't think top 25 voters are necessarily ready to buy in now on stevens um with the the roughness that it has been recently the two losses really if they're that good they shouldn't have happened to be blunt oh sorry i went up into the wrong region there to double check their record um so i have to stall here for a second um, again, this weekend they lost to Eastern seventy three sixty five. They had lost to Wilkes uh, seventy fifty eight fifty five and lost to Swarthmore seventy four seventy one. Coming out of the Swarthmore loss, I think a lot of people had confidence in them, but the Wilkes loss, um, a win against the Sales, yes, but a close game, and then a loss to Eastern. I think voters are going to kind of back off thirteen and four conference wise. Listen, they're still in the fight. They're only a game back at the Sales and Eastern, so anything's possible. But any more hits and and i don't even know i'd have to look at that large stuff it's a little early for me to be doing that but uh yeah i i think it hurt them from getting any top 25 attention that's for sure speaking of a team that's getting top 25 attention um have you heard of the colby mules the colby mules are undefeated at 17 and 0 that matches their season high for wins last season and the last time they got this many wins was 2009 2010 when they were 19 and 6 overall they're undefeated. Conference. They're undefeated overall. They're fifth in the national polls, and they've got some big wins under the belt, including Middlebury at Pepkin. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology HoopSaw Hotline, it's the aforementioned Colby Mules and their head coach, Damian Strayhorn. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it.
11: Dave, thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Um, let's be blunt. 17-8 uh, and eight last season, 5-5 five and five in NESCAC play. I think a lot of people thought you guys would fit right in the middle of that conference, as always. Did anybody in your neck of the woods feel like an undefeated season at this juncture was was possible?
11: Yeah, you know, I think uh, certainly it it has caught people by surprise um, on the outside. Um, You know, within our program, within our team, you know, I think we felt very excited about what this year had an opportunity to become. Um, We're obviously in the middle of that uh, stretch right now. Um, You know, and and I guess if I take it back to last year, you know, getting to 17 wins, um, you know, was a really important step for for us as a program. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we had a chance to, I think, bounce back from a tough early start uh, to our NESCAC play a year ago. uh, You know, one and three, uh, and and really close the finish, uh, close the season. I think with a strong finish. Went on the road to beat uh, Amherst and Hamilton, uh, both uh, top 25 teams at that
2: Mm -hmm.
11: point, and I I think it was you know what we saw as a sign of what what uh, you know come. Um, You know we we returned pretty much the entire team. Uh, You know we we've added um, you know I think a good group of freshmen uh, that have come in here and and really rounded out our group. Uh, We had a player that was uh, abroad. Um, who was you know is now back with us uh, you know for his senior year,
3: sure. uh,
11: and so I think coming into the season you know we we really talked about you know not wanting to put any limits uh, on what we could achieve, uh, and uh, you know the guys have put in a tremendous amount of work. Uh, they're a fun group to be around. <laughs> uh, they have a fantastic work ethic um, and really. You know, between the staff, uh, the coaching staff, uh, my three assistants that I have with me, and, and, and the guys, um, you know, they've built this day by day, and uh, I'm just really proud of what they've accomplished up to this point, and I'm excited that, that they're hungry for more. So, uh, we're looking forward to uh, to, to, the, to the closing finish year.
0: Um, you're, you've got a program that certainly gets a lot of, uh, maybe doesn't get a lot of attention, I should say, considering the circumstances, and, and you know, the conference has been the Amherst and the Williamses and the Middlebury's and Hamilton's, of course, and you got to rise up. And I looked at at what you guys did throughout this year. I looked at the Ramapo win at the beginning of the year. Went okay, you know, it's close. I didn't think Ramapo would have much of a team there, but that's a that's a good win, uh, especially to get you know at to get it on a neutral site. Um, I waited a little longer than I saw the New Jersey City win, and we all had high expectations in New Jersey City this year. And still, you know, credit that's that's a tough one, especially at their place. You're willing to go down there at the end of November. And play that game hats off you know it, it, taking note taking stock but honestly i felt like i needed to wait i needed i i got you into the top 25 at some point but i needed to wait to see how you did in conference play and since you got into conference play eighty-three fifty over con college ninety-one seventy-seven over trinity as we mentioned at middlebury you win by seven you win at williams you win um at bowden it's all been at so far you've got a you kind of made a point of saying, Yeah, we're for real here. Is is has that been the point in the in the locker room that we have proven ourselves or is it yeah, about time you guys woke up?
11: <laughs> no, we um I think again coming into this year and, and just sort of setting up the schedule, you know uh, for us, you know, wanted to start with with Ramapo, uh, you know, a team that's been to the NCA tournament. Um, you know, obviously the the trip down to New Jersey and, and Jersey City, who was number one in that region a year ago, right. uh, another NCA tournament. Uh, and I think five of our first six games were against I think teams that had come off, um, you know, either regular season conference championships uh, the year prior, or you know, had made made the NCA tournament. Sure. Um, I think Gordon was the the fifth team, and they won 21 games a year ago. Uh, and. You know, again, I think it was the right time for, for our team to, to try to test and compete uh, against, you know, um, kind of those non-conference opponents that are, 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 are going to be vying for national tournament berths. Um, you know, the NESCAC is obviously a grind, and, uh, you know, every year it's um, 1 to 11. It's just a, a fantastic competitive battle each night. Uh, and so, you know, we knew that um, sort of that non-conference schedule would, would again, help prepare us uh, as we got into league play you know, I thought along the way, you know, there were just some really some moments where I think you can just see the growth of our program and our team. You know, in that Ramapoke game, you know, we had to get a stop late to be able to come down and convert to put it into overtime. You know, I thought that was a really, you know, important moment. You know, the Trinity game to open up, you know, in our NESCAC opening weekend. You know, we're down at halftime, you know, going to the locker room. Uh, Trinity had a great, you know, closing stretch, uh, you know, kind of over the last seven minutes of that first half, and I think we were down seven. And, uh, you know, for me it was it was just exciting to see that there wasn't a shred of doubt, uh, you know, with the guys uh, in there. And, you know, what we talked about was just coming back out in the second half and just, you know, doing what we do, just do it a little bit better. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that was, again, a, 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 a really strong sign for, for what, you know, what we had a chance to, to build towards, um, you know, obviously going on to Middlebury, you know, was one, you know, with them being number five in the country, and, and really for us, you know, the first time climbing, uh, you know, in the top 25, where you know, I think we knew that a lot of people would be looking at that game and saying, "All right, what's is this team for real?" Uh, and you know, I think again our guys embraced that challenge, um, you know, played a great game there, and. You know, certainly any time you, you, you travel to Williams, uh, you know, you're always going to get tested. And, and so that was just a, a fantastic road trip. And, um, you know, coming into this, this past weekend against Bowdoin, uh, you know, again, another chance we were down, uh, you know, in the second half. And, uh, you know, had to play good basketball coming, coming down the stretch to, uh, to pull that one uh, out and, and sort of control the game to the finish. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what, what these guys have worked towards, uh, you know, what they've become. Um, you know, they play so well together. Uh, and um, they're a lot of fun to coach.
0: Um, when I look at the stats, some of these numbers blow me away. But I also sit there wondering if if I'm, you know, we're missing something, or or is it, you know, sometimes I go back to a schedule and go, okay, they must be playing a cup scheduled for this. But I realize some of this can't be attributed to that. You know, you're fourth in the country in three point field goal attempts. You've taken over 600 this season makes me think maybe you're buying in the analytics. And don't answer these. I'm just it's kind of my thinking. Assist to turnover ratio is 6. I love your SID, but you almost wonder if maybe he's giving you a lot of assists, but it's it's still an incredible number at 1.63 and we should point out by the way, Will King at 3.26 is sixth in the country. You know, 3.2 assists per turnover. Great, you know, job with the ball. Uh assists per game, you're second in the country at 21 Point six a game. Uh, fewest fouls is 22nd, but if you look at fouls per game, it's only 16th. You only foul 14 times a game. Your field goal percentage is 23rd best in the country at nearly 49%. You're number one in scoring offense. I'm sorry, in scoring margin at 21.2. You're sixth in scoring offense at 92.4. Where has all of this come from? Because I don't remember you guys necessarily being a high juggernaut type of offense but 92 points distributing the ball like that and shooting the way you guys are what's changed
11: you know I I, you know I again take it back to sort of just the the process Um, you know we have a a fantastic senior class uh, you know five young men that that have been with us uh, over the last four years and and have had a chance to grow and learn Uh, and you know I think again um, they've worked uh, tremendously, uh, you know, in the off season, you know, I think coming into this year, one of the things that that I really felt like set us up for success is our, our you know, our top six returners. I felt like all came back dramatically improved uh, from where we were a year ago, uh, and again, I thought that was a great sign. Um, you know, we've we've you know gone through the recruiting process. You know, where we've we've really tried to. You know, identifying and, and bringing skilled players. You know, certainly we like guys that can shoot the ball and, and shoot the ball from deep. Um, you know, we really feel like that's kind of the right way for us to, to build a team that has a chance to, to play at that championship level. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun to see how the passing has really, you know, um, become contagious this year. And, you know, you mentioned Will King. Uh, As as someone who has come in here, you know, the 3.62 assist-to-turnover ratio as a freshman uh, is is just uh, phenomenal. Um, You know, he's just got elite court vision. Um, You know, and then, you know, our second-best passer is our 6'7", senior forward that comes off the bench. Uh, And, you know, uh, it really allows us to kind of open the floor up and, um, you know, uh, try to force, teams to say, hey, you know, what what matchups, you know, how are you guys going to sort of match to us, and, and just play off of that, and, um, you know, they play so unselfishly, um, and, you know, it uh, again, it's, 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 it's been a lot of fun to see that evolve, um, you know, over the last couple of years, and, and really from last year and into, into this year.
0: Ninth in the country in, in three-point shooting percentage at 40.6, <laughs> Interesting enough, Amherst is at 40.7, but still, that's an incredible number. Field goal defense, by the way, uh, is 27.2, so you're also clearly doing it on the defensive end because to hold a team to 27% from the floor or to hold all of your opponents to 27% from the floor, that's saying a lot defensively.
1: Yeah, no, I
11: think that's been the biggest jump uh, from, from where we were a year ago. Uh, and and you know, I, I think it's, you know, when I look back at sort of our past teams, you know, I often joke that, that they were kind of too much like their coach who'd never played defense in his life, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this group has really, you know, just bought into our tenets. Um, defensively, uh, you know, they they compete uh, and, and really work to sort of force the types of shots that, that we want to try to force. Um, and, um, you know, we, we've got some guys now that I think really have become plus defenders. And, um, you know, when I look back at our program and, and kind of the first cycle through with my first recruiting class um, that I think, again, had a decent run back in 2015-16, you know, this this group is just so much more balanced uh, and, and so much better on the defensive end. And so, you know, I think when I look at, at sort of teams, you know, playing at the highest level of Division three basketball, you know, or really anywhere, um, you know, you, you've got to be able to win games in different ways when it gets to March. Uh, and there's going to be some times where we're going to need to be able to put 100 points up on the board to, yeah. to, to pull one out and, and times where... We're going to have to lock in and grind out stops. And, and I think this team has the ability um, to kind of play any of those games, and, and um, you know hopefully we'll have a chance to see that through uh, as the postseason gets here.
0: Some other stats that jump out at me, Noah Tyson, 8.5 rebounds a game. Dean Wiener, uh, 6.5 re- rebounds a game. Assist-wise, everybody contributes. Matt Hanna's at 4. We mentioned Will King. He's at 6 per game while only giving up about 1.8 uh, turnovers. But what jumps out at me is you got five guys in double figures, Sam Jefferson at 23.5 points a game. And then he got Matt Hanna at 14.5, Alex Dorian at fourteen and a half, twelve 12-plus from Wallace Tucker, and Noah Tyson at 12 points a game. And by the way, Will King, as a freshman, is also throwing in eight points a game as well. You've got a nucleus there, as you said, of seniors, but there's also juniors and sophomores in that group who are clearly on the same page together because they're willing to get points but also let their guys get their points.
11: Yeah, and... and- you know, I think in each game, you know, uh, we've had different guys go off. And I think one of the marks of a good team is, you know, if someone doesn't play their A game today, you know, who steps up? And sure. we've had a lot of guys um, find their nights throughout the course of, of our season. Um, you know, I, I think, again, Sam Jefferson is just, a, a, you know, obviously scoring the ball. Uh, you know, to me, his field goal numbers are just insane. Um, and, you know, it's a testament to the work that he's put in. Uh, you know, he's become – not just such an elite shooter but he has really expanded his game you know being able to you know catch the ball with his back to the basket and generate shots there you know being able to put the ball on the floor um, and, and just kind of how he's, you know, developed his ability to read what defenses are doing to him, um, you know, has been a lot of fun to just see his growth and maturity. Um, you know, Matt Hanna is another guy who's, again, in the gym all the time, um, you know, shoots the ball terrifically, um, you know, and, and, and this year has you know, taken a major step at being able to play off the bounce and, 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 and get to the rim and, and finish. Um, you know, Alex Dorian is a guy who's, you know, uh, come along through his four years and, you know, I think um, had some injuries and some things that kind of never let him get to his full ability. Uh, and, you know, he's just playing such an important role for us, uh, you know, as, a, as, as an elite two-way player, a guy that's shooting the three-ball extremely well, uh, but a guy that we can put on the other team's first or second uh, you know, option and, and really feel confident that he's going to be able to, 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 to make them earn it. Uh, and, you know, Noah Tyson is just um, just, uh, you know, came off a freshman uh, rookie of the year campaign in the NESCAC. Um, You know, really from day one came into our program and, and just earned a, a major role. Um, you know, he's just a, a winner. Uh, and, um, you know, he's, he's a phenomenal defensive player. Uh, you know, we, he, he's the, uh, the president of our cleanup crew. Uh, my assistant coach Tyler Ackley, loves to, uh, to to talk about the one-person cleanup crew that, that Noah Tyson uh, <laughs> runs out there, and, and just watching him rebound the ball—it's impressive. Uh, but you know, then he also has the ability to, to stretch the floor and, and make threes, and uh, again has really worked on on being able to attack off the bounce and and, uh, and create plays that way. So, um, you know, it's it's just been a lot of fun to again see that group grow. Uh, You know, you mentioned the the, the senior class that's there and, and, you know, the the juniors behind them with Matt and Wallace, uh, Noah as a sophomore, and and certainly I think the the first years. um, You know, they've had a chance to really, you know, play and grow with one another. And I think that's kind of something that you see for a team like Colby. You know, it's not just going to happen overnight. Uh, And so, you know, this has been, I think, building uh, over the last couple years. And, um, you know, again, we still have a lot we want to accomplish.
0: Um, before we wrap up with you, I should point out, I, I joke about Danny Noyes uh, is your sports information director and, and talking about uh, you know, assist numbers and stuff. But you're really, to be honest, you, you played four straight games on the road. You're in the midst of six straight in-conference games on the road. Middle, I started with Middlebury, then Williams, Husson, Bowden. Husson was obviously a non-conference game. Now Bates and Tufts are ahead this coming weekend. Certainly will be a tough weekend. Then you're at home for four straight. So you're going through a bit of a grind here. Um, that you you're at least doing well so far, but it's not over. Not an easy weekend ahead of you.
11: No, and I was I was actually watching the Bates Tusk film today, earlier today. Um, and and that's just that's the NESCAC. It's it's a great league, and um, you know, the Bates Tusk uh, game was a, a close one uh, yesterday. Um, you know, going down to Bates, it's it's always a you know an electric environment uh, in, in in that gym. Um, you know, certainly there. Uh, having a nice season and, and Tufts, you know, has now climbed into the top 25 and, um, you know, uh, is undefeated in, in conference play as well. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's going to, it's, it's going to be, uh, again, another important challenge for us, um, you know, being able to travel and go on the road and, and, and get it done is, is what we'll be preparing for this, this upcoming week. And, um, you know, we'll have to go down and, and play well and, and play our style and, and uh, to be able to get it done.
0: You'll have four of your final five games at home. Three of them are in conference and Bates, the, the, the main three game in there as well but your schedule is beneficial because you got to, Hamilton's got to come all the way to you Amherst has got to come all the way to you Wesleyan has to come all the way to you the other two games will be Bates and Southern Maine so you you have an opportunity here to make sure this tournament comes through Waterville Maine because you can take care of it at home
11: yes and that's you know that's what we're aiming for um you know I, I don't No, when the last time that would have happened, uh, you know, and and something that that we would love to get done. Um, You know, it's actually the final year of our athletic center here. We'll be moving into a brand-new facility uh, next fall. Uh, which we're very excited uh, for, um, but you know our our current facility has an amazing history to it. You know I'm so fortunate to 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 have taken over for a coach and Dick Whitmore, who was here at Colby for 40 years, and um, you know Colby Basketball has such a strong history.
3: Mm-hmm.
11: And uh, as we kind of celebrate uh, the last season and, and, and the last year in this in this building. Um, you know, there wouldn't be a better way to to go out than uh, being able to host something like uh, like that here in Waterville.
0: Well, that's saying it lightly, uh, to say the least. Um, that, to be able to do it at your place would be wonderful. Uh, and you mentioned Whitmore; nicely done. Obviously, you're in your ninth season. Um, how much, coach, has things changed? Because let's not forget, it wasn't that many years ago. Kobe was making the news because your bench had some of the best celebration stuff I've anyone has seen. Um, when it came to celebrating what, what players were doing on the floor, uh, this is a big difference now. I don't know if you're still having the fun because we don't always get to see the bench when watching games, but we've come a long way from the bench getting the attention to now the guys on the floor.
11: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point, Dave. Um, you know, that, that first group that I had. You know, we definitely did talk about that, and I know I mentioned it to people that you know um, we we do hope and want to to get the program to the point where we are talking about the people on the floor and and the success we're we're having and 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 the wins uh, and and competing for championships, and you know that's all been just again part of the process in uh, kind of growing the program, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun uh, over the last nine years, and um like i said i'm i'm fortunate to, to be where i'm at uh, to to have uh, to have the opportunity to take over for coach whitmore and um he was at our Bowdoin game yesterday so it was great to see him uh and um you know uh, we we're, we're looking forward to the to the last uh, five Nescat games here coming up
0: i hope i didn't cut off your audio at the beginning but i may have as shown some of the uh video of those celebrations cuz let's be honest they were creative, and they were fun. I had to have an excuse to put them back on the air. I may have cut your audio off at the beginning. I apologize now, but uh, obviously talking about the fact that that was a fun group, and this is a fun group. Um, before we let you go, I, we could talk to you forever, but I've got a show to keep going. I'm already late, and there's a guy down at Yeshiva who wants to talk to me about his team. Um, tell me a little bit about um, the impact Kobe Bryant's death has on the basketball community, even at Division three, and to be blunt, even in Waterville, Maine.
11: Yeah, uh, just tragic, um, sad news. Uh, I was, you know, as I mentioned, watching that tough space game earlier today, and my wife called up to me and, and said, you know, asked if I'd heard, and, and I hadn't. And um, you're just shocked and, and disbelief, really. Uh, and, you know, I, I guess, you know, my quick thoughts, you know, it just kind of is amazing to me, you know, not just what an, um, you know, what a career he had, um, certainly, I think I, I was listening earlier, and some of the things that you mentioned in terms of his involvement uh, in, in, in the game and growing the game, and especially on the women's side, and, and kind of, you know, the impact that he's had there, and um, you know, it's hard to put into words, you know, what what all that is. Um, you know, it, it it partially makes me, you know, realize. You know, like my players now, you know, know Kobe. But you know, when you go back through the generations, and when I think back to, to the players before him, and sometimes you know, you talk to the guys and, and you bring up some names of the past, and um, it's just, uh, it, it's 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 incredible, um, kind of what maybe they don't know. Uh, yeah. But but Kobe Bryant was certainly one of the best to ever play. Um, you know, it will be a, a significant loss, and um, you know, obviously one of the best to ever do it.
0: No, that's a fair point and, and well said I appreciate your thoughts uh, on that even if it isn't Division 3 it is, it is felt because as I said earlier these players grew up watching Kobe maybe had a, a poster on their wall if posters mm-hmm. on their wall were still a thing um, and so you know, I appreciate your, your vantage point on that um, as we let you go we always have the tradition I uh, don't know if there's anything else to add but we always give the final word to the coach any yeah, no. final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in
11: I appreciate you having me on. It's it's been a lot of fun, uh, and you know, we're looking forward to more. I guess in just kind of echoing or continuing the thoughts uh, with with Kobe Bryant's passing, it just you know made me take a moment today just to really appreciate um, you know what what I have in my life, my family, my wife, my two kids, uh, Luke and Chase. I think they're actually at home going to bed right now, listening uh, listening in. So uh, hopefully they'll be asleep uh, in the next couple of minutes. Um, a lot of family out on the West Coast uh, tuning in as well. So uh, again, it just just makes me thankful for you know the people I have uh, that are that are around me and the people that support me in, in incredible ways. And um, you know, being able to do what I love every single day is, is something that you know you never want to take for granted.
0: I agree with you. I had the lo- fortune of having my two kids come yeah. in and say goodnight to me right before the segment with you, actually. So uh, I know what you're saying about going to bed. Really, is what I was trying to get at. It's time to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> Get, get in your rooms. You need some sleep. Coach, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I, I'm you, not Dave. saying I can get up to Waterville, Maine for for NSCAC playoff base uh, basketball, but, man, if I had an excuse to do it, uh, this would be the reason. You never know. I might just walk into the gym on you uh, this year. Uh, Love that. Thanks oh. for the time. Take care of yourself. Good luck the Take rest Dave. of the way, and enjoy it. Take care. All right. Damian Strayhorn joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. We're going to take a quick break because we're already way behind schedule now. I still have uh, Elliot Steinmetz coming up to talk about uh, Yeshiva men's basketball. Big story, by the way, uh, for those of you in the Baltimore area who are following the show who know me, a couple Baltimore guys on that team that we'll be talking about, and I'm even starting to say it like ba- like I'm from Baltimore. That's a problem. Uh, and we still have Ryan Scott ahead to talk about the top 25. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this. Okay.
2: has given me the flexibility to pursue my passions and my interests and I've recreated my identity for myself aside from just being an athlete. My greatest personal discovery
1: has been that I am capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing.
2: To be able to study what I wanted to and continue to play the sport I love, all of those things came together very nicely in one package in Division Three.
6: Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had that and the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born.
1: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college
5: basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference.
1: Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills.
5: It's not
12: just about
9: basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether.
1: It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now.
4: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
3: I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind, attain only through self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be.
7: Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Email us dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. Sorry, the Hoopsville email address continues to act up. You can also join us on Facebook or YouTube where we're simulcasting the show. But if you're already watching us, don't worry about that necessarily. If you're watching us on demand or you listen to us uh, via the podcast, you know you can also use those tech uh, options if we're live. Don't forget, coming up, we'll be live for about nine or so hours on Thursday. We'll talk about the marathon coming up. Ryan Scott's still ahead to talk about the top 25 as well. But let's get things going here. Um, regarding the team that is finally back and playing, you know what? It's just been ridiculous. It's been way too long. Uh, we had to wait 35 darn days in between games from January 9th, or December 19th to January 22nd. I kid because he's sitting on hold. Uh, Yeshiva men's basketball once again having a tremendous season, 14-1 and one on the year. Not that long ago, we were talking about them in the NCAA tournament. Things certainly got interesting after that. But joining us on that Blue Frame Technology Hoopsah Hotline, it is the head coach of the aforementioned Maccabees, Coach Elliot Steinmetz. Coach, thanks as mo- as always for joining me. We appreciate it.
9: Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it.
0: Sure. Um, first and foremost, I know you've had high expectations for your alma mater since you guys made the NCAA tournament in twenty. 20- oh, darn it, eighteen. Um, you guys have had hurdles along the way, and we'll maybe touch on those here tonight. But you are probably playing with house money to be 14-1 and right now and 7-0 in conference play.
9: I wouldn't look at it at house money. I mean, this is, you know, a, cl- uh, a culmination of a few classes of recruits that we kind of thought would put us in this position. Um, you know, they work hard, and these kids came here with goals, and they had goals that were probably bigger than anyone's ever had here before.
0: Well, good point. Uh, 18-11 and was the year you guys won the Skyline uh, and danced your way into the NCAA tournament with a memorable game at York. The outcome wasn't, I think, as as testament to how good the game was, but there were plenty of distractions too. And we should point out some of the distractions were world-bound because there were so many people in the community, in the religious community, who wanted to see you guys playing that they had to make sure that that game could be seen Around the world on direct TV or whatever avenue they ended up taking. To be blunt, there's more than just your, the college uh, kind of on display, as it were, right?
9: Oh, yeah. It's, it's been insane. I mean, our, our regular season games now are, are, are being watched all over the world. Um, our games at home are, are packed. I mean, we had a game last night here at home on a Saturday night, and, and you know, there, there was not a seat in the gym. So it's, it's been special. Uh, a lot of people are supportive, you know, throughout the Jewish community and, you know, not just locally in New York, but really worldwide.
0: What it, does that prove? I don't know how to ask this in any way, but it's how it's going to sound. Does that end up making for more pressure?
9: Um, it, it might, but. Pressure is what we, you know, I, I always told the guys when, when, when we started this thing and when we, we started building this program a little bit, pr- pressure is kind of what we want. You know, uh, you know everybody kind of said after a, a couple of winning years, hey, now everybody's going to expect you to win. Uh, that's the point. You know, that, that's what we're here for. We're here to compete. We're, you know, we're here to try to win games. We're trying to recruit as best we can. And, you know, we're trying to uh, get our guys in the best shape they can to compete with some, you know, pretty damn good teams.
0: One of the distractions that came up a couple of years ago was kind of a guy who helped put you guys on the map, as it were, in Bar Alouf. Um, as a result of all of that kerfuffle um, regarding what is a complicated system in Israel, in my opinion, um, he didn't play last year. He's back this year. But it felt like as, as great as it is to have Bar aloof back, and, and he's a darn good talent, you guys were going to be good this year probably with or without him. Is that is that fair? Or am I over-sympathizing? Ah, you know what I'm trying to say. Sympathizing. Yep, can't even say it. You know what I mean.
9: Simplifying. Thank you. I, I, I do think it's, um I do think it's fair. I, I thought, you know, we, we were kind of like, it was kind of just, a, you know, a bonus to get him back this year. It was something we were fighting for. I think he got a little bit screwed by the system last year, and, you know, I don't think it was fair to the kid. Uh, but, you know, again, above my, above my pay grade. Um, but, you know, it's uh, one of those things where we were fighting hard to make sure that he got his senior year because he deserves it. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I, I don't know how this year will pan out. There's a lot of special things happening. There's a lot of firsts happening for the school and, you know, and for the university and for the program. Uh, my favorite moment of this year is, is, is going to be the look on his face when we, when we were able to tell him that he gets to play this year.
0: Uh, yeah, do you mind telling us a little bit about how that went?
9: I mean, it was pretty simple. We, you know, we, we put in our, you know, we put in our uh, papers with the NCAA. They accept them pretty quickly, and uh, we were able to kind of turn around and tell him he's cleared and you know, just has to go through the, you know, the normal process and start practicing, practicing with us as soon yeah. as he was eligible.
0: He's 17 and a half, 18 points a game two years ago. He's at six and a half because that's how good the team is. Uh, Ryan Terrell, 24 points plus a game. Gabriel uh, Leifer? Leifer. Le- I knew it. I had a 50-50 <laughs> chance at it. 17-plus, 18 points, really a game. Um, you got two other guys in, in double figures. This team feels like it's grown in a way I don't think any of us expected. You said it's about recruiting what is it about the recru- recruiting that you guys have been able to make work out? Because let's be honest, Gallaudet is a school of the deaf. There's a lot of deaf players who'd rather go play on mainstream teams. I am of, from Baltimore long enough to know the <clears throat> Jewish Jordan who wanted to play on, on a mainstream team. How do you get those of the Jewish faith to buy in to come to Yeshiva? And why were you so confident in that?
9: I think it 's about winning, uh, you know winning, winning kind of uh, breeds success, uh, sure. everything kind of follows. so I think once we started having a little bit of success and we were you know I, it really it really started with i 'll tell you it started with two guys It started with with Simcha Halpert, Halperd, who is that next leading guy in terms of our double yes. digit scores, who you know by the way is the third all time leading scorer in the school 's history and broke <laughs> fifteen hundred points this year, so he 's not too shabby himself. No. And, um, you know, it, it started with him and, and, and Donnie Katz, another Baltimore, like you mentioned, with the Jewish Jordan, uh, another Baltimore kid who kind of got together and wanted to, wanted to come here together and get something started. And when those two guys came, everybody else kind of followed.
0: Well, that's certainly nice to have, uh, to say the least. You do draw in from around the world. You have several California kids. You have New York, Texas. We mentioned the Baltimore area, Miami, Florida uh bar aloof of course is from israel so we're even going further outside the the idea there chicago illinois uh denver colorado not surprisingly you pull them in but how do you go out there and get that talent um because let's be honest you can't be flying all over the country while still coaching your team
9: thank god for social media and (laughs) text messaging and phone calls because you're right you know there's no budget for that to fly all over the country constantly but uh you know listen it, it, you know you can you can look at recruiting here as a, as a as a detriment or you can look at it as a as an advantage and I've chosen to look at it as an advantage sure um you know we we've we've made inroads at a lot of the you know schools around the country that have a lot of Jewish athletes uh, whether it be Jewish day schools or whether it be public schools with you know with, with that kind of a population um, and we've been able to draw kids into what we're you know what we're building and how we're playing
0: um let's see we talked about the 35 days beforehand i was saying it a little tongue in cheek uh because i've known about this i think anybody who follows division three can appreciate that you guys have this time off that is based on listen everybody takes some time off we we've talked about teams going from early december to early january but that's more voluntary than it is for you guys you guys is more mandated but can you give everybody a sense of why that exists because i think Outside of Hanukkah, people don't truly appreciate maybe everything that's going on in the Jewish faith.
9: No problem. So you know, there's there's the Jewish holidays in October, which most people are familiar. The high the high holidays, and, and it's surrounded with some other smaller Jewish holidays that not everybody's aware of. Mm-hmm. The school's off for for about two weeks during that period of time. So our semester runs an extra week or so in, you know, into the kind of Christmas New Year break becomes almost like a reading week slash the beginning of finals. Uh, And then our finals week is while everybody else is on break. And then we first go on break when everybody else is coming back. So, you know, and you and I talk about this almost every year, both off and on the air. Um, It's tough. It's tough because you're kind of in the middle of something, especially a a year like now where we're, you know, we're going into it having won whatever it was. I think twelve. I think we we're twelve and one sitting at the break, having won twelve in a row, kind of waiting to play, feeling pretty good. We were finally getting healthy. You know, we, we didn't we didn't have our uh, starting five together until literally I think the last two or three games uh, before break. Even we had, we first got our starting five healthy. So you know, it's we're first kind of coming into our own, and then all of a sudden you got these days off, and for the first couple of weeks you're looking at it as a great rest opportunity and a chance for guys to get healthy and. You know, the next, the next two and a half weeks, you're kind of like, let's play already.
0: But the, the other side of this is, it, and maybe I'm wrong, but a lot of colleges, the schools aren't in session. They're playing games or they're traveling to a site to, to play games or whatever. They're, they're not just shut down. Well, why are you guys just shut down? Why can't you come back a little early and play?
9: We, we do actually we, we okay. actually cut our break about a week short uh, okay. the, the The issue is more so that we've kind of run into the finals period where we can't play during that reading week and finals sure, sure. Um, so it's really more about the uh, you know that overlap of the of that finals week with the rest of the you know college basketball world coming back into play. Uh, we kind of then give our guys, you know, five or six days off or so to kind of go home, see their families a little bit, and then we, we bring them back a little bit earlier than the rest of the school.
0: And we should point out, there, you could come back at other times too, but it, there's complications in place too because, one, the college is closed, but, two, there's NCA rules too. We've got to point those out. So it just provides for an interesting quirk. As a result of that too, you slam in all your conference games, not all of them, but you get kind of a very tightened schedule you played on the 22nd, the 25th, the 28th, the 30th, the 1st, the 3rd, the 5th, the 8th. I mean, you're tight in terms of getting all these games in to finish out the season. That can wear on a team as well.
9: Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Right now, we're just happy to play some home games. We've we probably, we probably played the least home games of any college team in America at this point. Uh, we, we're at January, what's today, the 26th? Yes. We're at January 26th. We've played four home games. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're excited. and you know this Well, is what help is the SOS. sorry (laughs) it'll help the sos that's true but uh you know we um you know we we we're just happy to get playing again and it's kind of every year at this point of the year we're playing every other night and we know it and we have to kind of monitor our practice situation and uh take it from there
0: uh you're on top of the conference by a game on purchase and westbury uh they've also played seven games so you've kind of caught up already very quickly mooresville state is sitting two games i mean manhattan is sitting two games back sorry um, and then Framingham State and the rest, but it's obviously that that first three that kind of are the biggest challenge here. Is this team good enough to stay ahead of them, win this conference, and get the AQ so that we don't have to be sitting there talking about whether or not Yeshiva's getting in at large bid?
9: We're good enough, but you know, so so are the other teams in our conference. I mean, if you, if you look at our conference this year, you know, I, I know people like to look down at the Skyline a little bit, but our conference has some pretty big wins this year. Uh, you know, Purchase went out and beat Hamilton earlier in the year. Uh, Old Westbury had a big win against, uh, I think it was the Sales earlier in the year. Even, even I think St. Joe's Long Island went and beat William Patterson. So we, you know, and we've had obviously our non-conference wins, you know, throughout the beginning of the year. Our, our conference has been pretty good this year. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of room to slip up. I think we are certainly good enough, but I, I think Purchase is good enough. I think Westbury is good enough. I think Farmingdale is good enough. There's a lot, there's a lot of teams in our conference that can really play.
0: Um, wrapping things up here with Elliot Steinmetz, the head coach of Yeshiva. A couple other things of note. When I go onto your website there's a splash page that immediately alerts me that if I'm coming to a game there, there is a definite heightened security level at the school where, and it's directly related to a number of the um, attacks on Jewish members, not only in the New York area, but in the greater United States and around the world level, that's got to be a heck of a distraction mentally for everyone to be dealing with on top of all the academics and the athletics.
9: You know, I, I, it is. I hear you. It's, I think it's a distraction, certainly for you know the greater Jewish community. It's, it's been it's been a rough time. Um, you know, I don't think it's a distraction as much for the players. The, the school does a fantastic job with it. Security here really, really they do a great job. We had you know we had a game Saturday night. They had everything set up beforehand. Um, you know, but it's like it's like with anything else, it's like any airport or anywhere else. You know, convenience is not always consistent with security. So True. you know, people are going to be a little inconvenience coming in but it's it's for the greater good, you know you and I spoke about this, I think last year it was um in in my kind of parting words where we were talking about certain uh mm-hmm. situations we've had you know in games on the road, which which we've not had at all this year, thankfully
12: oh, um
9: yeah it, it's been it's been good um but you know unfortunately, there's been some some much worse than just verbal attacks that have that have gone on you know obviously throughout the uh New York area and certainly around the country. Uh, against our community, and it's you know something that I hope as people are kind of educated uh, will will stop.
0: does it change the guys does it does it change you? Does it change people on what you guys are going through
9: uh it It changed me a little bit. It changed my outlook on certain things. you know uh, you know I, I you and I talked about it a little bit off the air at one point. um you know I put a social media post out a few weeks ago. Uh I, I've started wearing uh to my regular job I started wearing a yarmulke every day to work, which is not something I've done in the past and you know the, the the reaction that I've gotten is people kind of ask why. Uh and it gives me an opportunity to kind of explain and say, Look, uh there's a lot going on out there. I think it's important for people to be able to, you know, see who I am and who I represent and you know, they already they already know me as just some regular person. Now I'm just some regular person, you know, wearing a yamaka. Mm.
0: So um, the other thing that's of news today, of course, is the passing of Kobe Bryant. Passing isn't the right word. Uh, my grandmother would hate me for using that. The death of Kobe Bryant. Um, certainly shocking and, and has given the basketball world some pause, and even in Division Three, some pause. Is it something that, that you guys ha- have had thoughts on?
9: Yeah, we actually spoke about it for a few minutes today before practice. Uh, we, we, have, we have four L.A. guys on the roster. We, we've had up, I think last year, had six or seven. Uh so we have a lot of guys from that area and and, and I don't even think this is really uh an LA specific thing. Uh you know, this affects the basketball community. I was talking to a couple of my assistant coaches before practice about how we wanted to talk about it. Uh one of our guys actually played in the nba so you know and play, and played against and, and, and knew Kobe slightly. So he, you know, kinda gave a great perspective on it, which I shared with our guys and I think is important. Um, you know, he, he looked at it and he says, Look a professional athlete for 20 years of his career here, you know, his his family was kind of lending him to the NBA and to his team. Mm-hmm. He's barely ever home, he's constantly on the road, he's constantly in the gym, he's always working on his craft, and they're doing that biding their time hoping that they're going to have, you know, the rest of their lives with him to spend that time. And now all of a sudden they got robbed of that. So that it's oh. just a really really sad day. Wow. Um and it was uh you know and I told our guys it's you know it's it's okay to be upset and it's okay to kind of mourn somebody even if you didn't have a personal relationship because you know, look, I, I'm 39 years old. This is the guy, you know, who's two years older than me. I watched him from the time he was, you know, coming into the league at, what was he, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Play for 20 years. kind of, you know, you almost feel like you grew up watching the guy on, you know, in in your house. So it's, you True. know, it's a sad day.
0: Well, and, and I, the LA area, I, people don't appreciate how much Kobe was integral in that area. Not as an athlete, necessarily, but as just a person who was involved in that community. But, man, what a point about the family. That one's going to stick with me. Um, great perspective. I appreciate the time, sir. I know there's plenty more to talk about. Maybe you guys make the NCAA tournament. We can talk about the quirkiness of Yeshiva's scheduling, which will allow us in Division Three to see more games uh, live. I'm selfish. Can't blame me. Um, but, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in?
9: Yeah, absolutely. I want to harp on the point you made earlier about the stuff going on in the Jewish community, and I wanted to throw a shout-out over to uh, NJCU, who we were lucky enough to host earlier in the season, um, and and to their coach, who's just a class act and a tremendous human being. The The shooting that happened in Jersey City was literally three or four days prior to our game against New Jersey City University. We were able to arrange with them prior to our game at home, besides just a moment of silence and a quick speech, you know, in, in, in memorial of the of the of the victims of of the attack and and the uh, you know the police officer who was who was tragically killed, to, you know, not just have a moment of silence, but we actually were able to bring both teams together at half court. Uh, for the national anthems, as opposed to having them stand on separate sides, which I thought was a great optic and a great show of, you know, diversity within the community and respect and uh, you know respect and understanding for the lives that were lost.
0: Um, well said. As you were saying that, I remembered suddenly that I did have a picture of that and was hoping you were going to go slightly longer so that I could pull it up. Um, here it is. Get it into the system here, and we'll show this here for everybody. Um, what does it mean when another, ki- when another school, I know that was supposed to be the final word, but bear with me here. Mm-hmm. What's it mean when another school is willing to step up and say, uh, yeah, that happened to you, but it happened to all of us, and we're with you?
9: And, and, I, and I think you nailed it right on the head because that, you know, that was exactly what our, our, our senior vice president, who spoke prior to the moment of silence, that's exactly what he spoke about. This this was not something that just affected one community. This this is an attack on the Jersey City community as a whole. It's an attack on America. It's an attack, you know, certainly, obviously on uh, on 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 Judaism. But it's really an attack on the community, and and the recognition that the that the Jersey City coaches and players had of that kind of community feeling of hey we were all attacked here, and a willingness to make it bigger than just basketball and just you know have that moment of standing together. I thought was just just a really good moment and a good optic for D3 and for basketball in general.
0: Well said, Coach. Really appreciate the time. I know you and I chat a lot in the uh, offside, uh, off air. I'll give you a little hard time about all those wins you pointed out were good ones later um but i appreciate the time as always thank you very much congratulations on the season continued good luck to all of you guys we hope we'll see you in the tournament but more importantly we just hope you have a great finish to the year and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road
9: thanks dave appreciate it as always
0: absolutely elliot steinmetz joining us on the blue frame technology hoopsville hotline appreciate his time i got nothing to add to that we're going to take a break ryan scott will join us when we come back we'll talk top 25 and uh, answer some of your questions for the next 25 minutes. You're listening to Hoopsville, so presented by D3Hoops.com, from the WBCA, NBC studios. Uh, we'll take a break when we come back. Like I said, Ryan Scott.
5: I'm a Division III student-athlete and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
6: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
5: If you can play, you can
3: play in Division III.
1: I'm a Division III student-athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in
4: Division III.
7: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
8: I just wanted to get good grades and to do well, but I also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals.
9: You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that, and it's all about growing as a person.
1: My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed.
8: welcome back to hoopsville i'm Catherine bixby head coach at johns hopkins university and a member of the women's basketball coaches association i hope you're enjoying the show now back to dave
0: welcome back to hoopsville everybody oddly enough the computer has decided to start hiccuping here i'm not really sure why and all of a sudden just as i mentioned that it's all back to normal and fine so if you have any hiccups just ignore them folks everything's fine i don't know why you would think otherwise If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at d3hoopsville, hashtag hoopsville. Email me, Dave.mcq at d3sports.com. It's scrolling on the bottom of your screen right about now. You should be able to see that. Also, we're simulcasting the show on Facebook and YouTube, facebook.com slash hoopsville, youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. But if you're already watching us, whether it's on the Blue Frame Technology Team One Sports app, which allows you to watch us on the big screen, well, then don't go to the simulcast. Just enjoy those and email us or tweet us accordingly. Uh, we have had a little bit of interaction. We appreciate it tonight. One person responding to what Coach Elliot uh, Steinmetz said uh, about Kobe Bryant and what his assistant coach said has said amazing perspective on the Kobe tragedy, and I agree with that. You 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 think these these pro athletes, these families, give up the time to let them be pros, and then you expect then after that you're gonna get to have them as a family man, and unfortunately that has ended very quickly today, along with the death of one of his daughters, and who knows how many others. Or, or who else specifically? I saw another um, collegiate coach was on board, but I don't know much about him, but our thoughts and prayers with everybody involved in that tragedy. So uh, we said we would go along tonight. We've got about twenty more minutes left in the show. Ryan Scott's going to finish things up. We're going to talk about the top 25. We decided to give Ryan or give um, Bob Quillman the night off mainly because we didn't want to hear about Palm Springs. The entire darn time. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Skype Hoopsville Hotline, it is Ryan Scott. Not from his normal home, and we'll explain that in a little bit, but Ryan, as always, thanks for taking the time, sir. Oh, no problem. Glad to be here, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, first and foremost, I'm going to get this out of the way. You got to see a NESCAC game that I'm slightly jealous about because you got to go to one of the, the icons of Division Three basketball in New England. Tell us a little bit about your uh, journeys this weekend.
12: Yeah, I was up uh, in Vermont visiting my grandparents. They happen to live up here, and and forty five minutes or so from Middlebury. So, got to head up there uh, yesterday and and see Middlebury Williams. Which um, people who don't know Williams is in Massachusetts, but very close to Vermont. Yes. It's, they're 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 not far away, right down the road. Uh, so that is a pretty big rivalry. Um, and Middlebury was hopping. They had tr- track and swimming and hockey and everything going on at the same time. So it was it was quite the event to be a part of and, and really fun to be here.
0: I got a kick out of your comment about parking in Canada and walking yeah. to the game. <laughs> uh, I had to go double check where the game was to make sure I knew how far that walk really was.
12: Yeah, it wasn't so bad, except it was, it was about 33 degrees and raining. Uh, but other than oh, that, it was raining. It was beautiful, yeah.
0: Oh, nothing worse than being in the... Uh appalachians in new england and it's raining it's just i love the appalachians anyone knows knows me knows that but ugh, i hate it when it rains um top 25 you got to see a game you at least got to put yep. eyes on a top 25 team i know you've been thinking uh and and debating on against a team that isn't necessarily in that top 25 uh, conversation hats off to their head coach for knowing that at the beginning of the year um i want to give him credit for being humble about about his team but what did you think there before we dive into what we've seen this year or this week?
12: Um, I I mean, Middlebury is just a really strong team. Um, One of the things that sets them apart is that they've got four or five guards that could start on any team in the country. So the depth Mm. at that position, they always know there's going to be good guard play because if somebody's having an off night, they can just play a few less minutes. Um, Max Bosco was sick last yesterday, so he didn't play. Um, but, but that didn't really slow them down all that much. Um, size will obviously hurt Middlebury a little bit, but I think um, sort of where we had them early on. They're, they're definitely a top 10 team and maybe top five, just with the consistency that they're able to throw out there. Um, when you,
0: you are, we had Yeshiva on the show earlier, and I noticed you made a comment on the YouTube <laughs> side immediately, but I thought it was a, a telling comment. That's why I didn't use it in the segment. You're really high on some of their talent.
12: Yeah, I mean the guys that, uh, Ryan Terrell, if you watch him play, I I don't know what his field goal percentage is, but I mean, he he's essentially their point guard at 6-7, but uh, you know, at one point early in the season he was shooting like 70% from the field. Um, he's just a super talented kid. Definitely had some D1 offers that he turned down to come uh just as a as a sophomore is really coming into his own. You know, the difference that it makes having that year of experience coming into your sophomore year and sort of knowing what to expect really makes a difference for guys and, and he's special and they've got a kid coming off the bench. Who's a freshman Ofec reef. Who's um, just, just really talented. Um, And I'm excited because they're going to play Williams here in a couple of weeks. Uh, And Williams has, has Cole Prowitt Smith, who's a a really talented freshman as well. And I'm super excited to see them go against each other.
0: Uh, You, you ask and you shall receive. I did not talk to coach about this, but they're shooting 53% from the floor as a team. Yeah, nearly forty percent from beyond the arc. Uh, Terrell's shooting sixty-five percent from the floor. Lifer is shooting fifty-five plus percent. Uh, yeah. Halpert's shooting forty-eight percent. Reef is shooting sixty-one percent. Aloof is shooting forty-five percent. Katz is shooting sixty-three percent. I think you get my point.
12: Yeah, they <laughs> they don't they don't take bad shots on that no. team. They do a lot of passing. Um, you see the teams that have those those high field goal percentage numbers are the teams that do a lot of passing. Um, You know, Nebraska Wesleyan's up there as well. That kind of offense that they run, Um, you know, you pass a lot, you're going to get those good shots and and they know when to take them.
0: And we just got done talking to Colby and they also pass the ball and have incredible shooting numbers themselves. Um, Insane shooting numbers, as we described in that segment, the rest of the top 25, I'll I'll dare say it, Ryan, it was a quiet week. Um, And I can say that because the games are over.
12: Sure. I mean there were some interesting results but oh, not the way we had been seeing them earlier. I think we are starting to kind of settle in on who our teams are and 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 where they're at. Um you know we we didn't have too much obviously that Marietta loss to to Mount Union yeah. was surprising, but it's at the same the... time, you know, Mount Union's good and and at yeah. some point you can almost you can almost throw out a 30-point loss, you know, like because <laughs> That clearly something <laughs> happened that is not normal in a game like that. That's true. That's true. Uh, though, this time again, it, was, it was Mount Union shooting 70%, I oh, think, right. three-point yeah. line or something like yeah. that.
0: And again, you, as you reacted yesterday, wait, River Falls beat Platteville? Yes, that happened. And Denison beat Worcester. There were certainly significant results. Some yep. interesting ones like Virginia Wesleyan and Randolph-Macon playing each other. Whitworth, The Wits playing each other. Brandeis and Wash. You played was each a- other. Great game, they by the game. Those games didn't get lost, Ryan, because we didn't have an absolute another week of just ridiculous results across the board. Those games could stand out. And for some voters, it allows them to maybe vote better. But for some people, it allows those games to stand out so you can appreciate what's going on a little bit better.
12: Yeah, I mean, this is the time of year we're at. When you have a season like this, where you've got, you know, I think there's legitimately 50 teams who could win this title. You know, with the you know, the games falling the, sure. a certain way, when you have that many teams, they're playing an awful lot, right? And so yeah. um, it, it's every night out. It seems like there's some some really interesting games to watch.
0: Yeah, I agree with you.
12: Um, all right, so let's talk about what we
0: normally do now. Again, Bob's not here because we need to hear about Palm Springs. Um, at least that was my argument. We didn't need to hear sure. about it. Um we have our 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 debatable team, our deep dive team, and our dubious. Our debatable is a team that we, we have a nice friendly debate about whether they should be in the top twenty-five or not. Um we have our dubious team is a team that we think is just well, maybe getting a little too many votes or a little too high in the top twenty-five, which at this point in the season starts to become a little bit more difficult, but some stand out. And then we have our, our deep dive, which is the flip of that. It's a team that we don't think is getting enough attention and should really be getting more votes. That also gets a little bit more difficult this time of year because sometimes they're getting votes but just only a handful or really who at this point is flying that far under the radar. The only one I could think of in the past would be Nebraska Wesleyan, but even at this point they were getting votes that year they yeah. won the national title.
12: I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who's flying under the radar this year, Dave. Okay. Team that did not get any votes last week at all.
0: I'm I'm game. Uh,
12: It's it's this it's this little this little uh, defending national champion uh, from Wisconsin Oshkosh that uh, (laughs) all of a sudden all of a sudden finds themselves a game ahead in the WIAC standings and controlling their own destiny. So is that your deep dive to come right back again? (laughs) Is that your deep dive team? That's my deep dive team. This Tell me
0: more. Tell me why I should be voting for Oshkosh. Considering. Let's be blunt. I I know what you're saying. There are there everything up until this point has not been the prettiest.
12: Right. 12 and six is not really where you'd want to be right now, but they're six and one in conference. Um, They've got Platteville again this week. So we'll know right away uh, what they're doing, but it seems like with the, the, you know, we've talked about the losses they've had players who aren't on the team anymore, injuries, whatnot. They seem to be putting it together. Um, You know, they're winning the games they have to win. And in a conference like that, that's what you got to do. Again, we're doing deep dive. They didn't get any points last week. Uh, No votes at all. Um, But this is your defending national champ, you know, and they've got Jack Flynn on that court. They have Adam Fravert there. Um, It's still going to be a tough team to beat. And right now, everything in Wisconsin goes through them still.
0: I'll, I'll be honest. I struggled this week to find a deep dive team that wasn't receiving votes. And I didn't take Oshkosh on too seriously, though you raise a good point. In conference, they are absolutely playing well. And, and they are in control of that conference, which is shocking compared to where things were just two weeks ago when things didn't seem like they were going well at all for this unit. Right. Um, and, and the
12: probably, at least right now, according to Massey, toughest schedule in the country, but certainly, uh, objectively, one of the most difficult schedules they've played so far.
0: Yeah, fair argument. Uh, fair. I, I, I keep going, oh, well, I'll talk about this team. And, well, no, they're, they're, they're getting points. And, oh, wait, no, I won't. The only one that really maybe would jump out to me, besides if I jump to a team, one, one of my thoughts was to go to Whitman.
10: Yep. Um,
0: because I think they're playing really well. I'm not totally gung-ho on them, but they're on my I may vote for them list. Um, they're getting five votes, so somebody is, or some people are at least voting for them. And, and listen, the win over Whitworth... I think speaks volumes. Whitworth, I don't think, is strong right now. For some reason, they seem a little off, but I really like them. But if I really had to go with a team that wasn't receiving votes, I might have to go with Mary Harden-Baylor, and I realize I'm stealing, I think, was it Bob's Thunder uh, from a week or two ago on these guys? Sure. Um, they are 10-4 and overall. Yes, they're coming off a loss to Louisiana College back on the 11th. I'm actually, is this data old? Hold on, I'm trying to go through my emails here. No, that's that's the current data. So I'm going to call them up separately. I was looking at Pat's email, and something wasn't right about it. It
12: doesn't have a, they, some They results. did just lose yesterday, but it was a tight one on the road, and I, I don't right. think that we necessarily hold that against them.
0: I try not to. I love um, um, Gordon's mentality sometimes of saying, listen, like a UAA team win, loses a second game, uh, of the conference doubleheader i try not to hold that against them yeah they did lose a concordia it is a stretch between texas dallas belhaven and louisiana college that has me worried they did lose three in a row and now they've lost uh four of their last six but there's something about this unit ken deweese is a good coach we know that i think they're really strong if they can if they if this loss today against concordia texas on the road kind of wakes them up they've got the chance to steamroll from here McMurray, Harden Simmons, Sol Ross are their next four. Howard Payne, East Texas Baptist, Letourneau, Howard Payne again, and Sol Ross State again. That's how they finish. Granted, East Texas Baptist could be in this conversation too. They're yep. 14 and three. They're seven and one in conference play, and maybe they're a better choice, but they also lost to Belhaven. So they're also getting votes, by the way. Belhaven has apparently got their number. Um, <laughs> so again, Belhaven's had a lot of numbers it's something about the Texas schools. I am intrigued. I don't know if I'm going to pull the rip cord on them, but that, that would, if you're really deep diving into trying to figure out teams that are good for the top 25, that's kind of where I would point you in that. direction. Yeah.
12: And, and I'll just mention, I watched the entire Whitman Whitworth game this week. Uh, stupidly stayed up that late. To I started watch.
0: to watch some of it and then I turned it off.
12: Well, it was not Whitworth playing poorly. I mean, Whitman played, I think their best game of the, of the year. Okay. Um, they got a ton, I think 25 and 10 out of Robert Colton, who's really uh, been been more of a rebounder sort of role player for them. And he stepped up um, to, to play the way that he can, you know, he's a six, six dude down in the middle. Um, and, and for teams that, that lack a little bit of height. I mean, I think he had nine offensive rebounds in that game. Um, wow. So it, yeah, I mean, they played excellent and Whitman has not lost in 2020. Um, so they're, they, they may have figured this out, you know, graduating seven guys is, is tough to adjust to. and, They might've done it.
0: Yeah. Good point. Uh, So that's just kind of where I'm kind of looking Texas, but I agree with you. Whitman's an interesting choice. Um, So that's kind of where I was thinking. uh, I just, it's, it gets hard this time of year. Uh, Let's talk dubious
12: before we get into debatable. Where's your dubious squad? You know, this is, you mentioned it. It's getting hard at this point. Um, We're picking nits, you know, right now, the one I picked was, was Wittenberg. Um, Just simply there at number seven. Yeah, I, I got feel them like ten. that's probably a little bit high, not because they aren't good. I've had them ranked really high. I've been kind of on the bandwagon for this this uh, class for a couple of years since I saw them as freshmen, um, really talented. And, and I have no doubt that they can win against anybody. But the, the schedule they played this year was not super great. Their conference is deeper than it has been in a while, so that's going to be helpful to them. But the only thing we have to judge them against right now really is that Worcester game in which they just did not play very well.
0: No, a good choice. Uh, I agree with you. I have Wittenberg at 10. I kind of started thinking last week, maybe I've got them a little too high myself. Yeah. If I went for a dubious team, I'm actually going to yell at myself a little bit here too. I, it might be Platteville. Um, I have them sitting in the 12 hole. They're sitting, oh shoot, I just dropped the screen of where they are. They are sitting 11 overall. Here's my concern. Uh, two of the last four have been losses to Stevens Point. Uh, and River Falls, they did get a win over Lacrosse, which is why this things get muddy. Uh, and they got a win over Whitewater, but the the loss to River Falls is is interesting. I know it was on the road, but still, if you're that good, but if, per your conversation, ironically timed about Oshkosh, if if Oshkosh is in control of this conference, then maybe this conference, I'm I'm, I'm overinflating it. Does that make sense? Like I'm 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 giving it too much credit. And I know it's a good conference, don't get me wrong, but maybe the top isn't as good as I was giving it credit. And Platteville being a good team, but they're more maybe a an 18
12: team, a 20 yeah. team. We really don't know at this point. You know, they've had Quentin Shields and Carter Volker there a number of years. We've known they're really talented, but right. the knock on them has been inconsistency. Right. And we had thought up until the last two weeks that maybe they had gotten past that. Um, but this loss to river falls, it it gives you some pause because the team as comprised has not always been able to win consistently. And, uh, maybe they're still not, we, we don't quite know yet the the game this week against Oshkosh is going to tell a lot.
0: Well, we saw it last year and they went through a stretch last year, um, that included games where you're like, great. I mean, you lost Oshkosh 83, 81 in overtime. I mean, that didn't look bad, but they got swept by whitewater. Um, you know, this year's team, I'm just, something doesn't feel right. And if you can beat lacrosse by two, why are you losing by six to River Falls? Both of those games being on the road. I'm just a little nervous that we've got it inflated a little too high. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at myself. I'm absolutely looking at myself with that. Um, well, by the we... way, my other choice was Nebraska Wesley, and they're at 10. I have them at 15. I do wonder if we, we give a little too much stock. But again, maybe we don't have enough info.
12: Well, and, and it's just one of those years, right? I mean, yes. a month ago, we were all saying Emery's clearly the number two team in the country, right? Agreed. And, and now I've got them at 15 this week, right? Uh-huh. And I don't feel bad about it. I've so, got them at nine heading you know, into like, this week. I don't know where right. I'm going to put them this week. And so it, it's just, it's, it's one of those seasons. I think, well, and we're all voting for Swarthmore, and I don't think any of us is like would be super surprised if they lost a conference game here I, at some point.
0: And I said it to somebody this weekend because at <laughs> one point I misread a text that they sent made me think Swarthmore was losing a game. And I saw them losing to Resinus on Wednesday. I yeah. I have thought to myself about pulling my number one vote. Nothing against Swarthmore. They're just not. They're not playing the way I expected them, even in conference. I know the conference knows you well, but you should be putting your foot down on our sinus if you're the number one team in the country. You should be putting your, your foot down against other squads in this, besides maybe a Hopkins. And no, that's it. I mean, they had a tight game against McDaniel at halftime. They had to w- score well, the last six points to have a, a lead at halftime. Now, they ended up just <laughs> rolling over yeah. in the second half, and that's what I expected. But that's also because McDaniel can't put 40 together. But that shouldn't have been close at halftime.
12: Well, that's the other part. Is, is Swath- it was that
0: Swarthmore.
12: Swarthmore's been winning these games, but they have not had a full game played the way that they played no. 20 of their games last season. Right? No. Like They just have not been locked in in the same way that they were last year. This doesn't make them any worse. It's no. just I think it makes it more likely that, that they're going to get beat somewhere along the line. That
0: said – I don't know where I would put my number one vote. It's not like I've got a plan to go put it anywhere.
12: Yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing is you can look down there and you can say, Oh, you know, there might be 10 or 15 teams that would have a 50, 50 shot at Swarthmore, but I don't know that I would pick any of them head to head against. I don't know which one I'd pick. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, all right.
0: Debatable team. I love your choice here. I'll let you tee it up. Um, I, I, I think it's a good one.
12: Yeah. So, um, Probably the most interesting team in my mind right now in the country is uh, St. Joseph of Connecticut, Jim Calhoun's Blue Jays. Um, They lost two games early. They were dealing with a lot of roster transition from last year. Um, They have not played a super strong schedule, but some of the metrics that we look at um, that tend to be, you know, things like, um, you know, field goal percentage and rebound margin, some of those things that tend to to show good teams they're doing really well in. um, they, They played really well against Williams. Um, not too long ago and they've got the big conference matchup at albertus magnus this week um, but they're looking really strong it's interesting because i've
0: I've looked at them and i'll play the devil's advocate just so this can be a, a true debatable the reason i've been i've been hesitated you ha- you point out not a strong schedule rhode island college a loss to the top 92 68 i know rhode island college is well coached and they're coming back so I and, I and I can't put a stock too much into a 11, uh, November 16th game, but still, it's there. And they have a loss to Tufts. Okay, I'm voting for Tufts. I got to keep that in mind. But since then, they have not lost. They beat Trinity in the middle of that. But then let's let's re- read these off, Ryan, shall we? And I'm not going to mention conference games. Salve Regina, Leslie, Elms, George Fox, Eastern, Bates, Non Division Three Fisher, Suny Old Westbury castleton non-division three pratt though soon to be pratt uh division three actually that's the confusing one
12: uh williams are first year yeah
0: yeah williams um i mean outside of what two we've got teams in there that i fall into the category yeah you should be winning those games right so that gives me pause on Looking at the highlights of a slam dunk at their gym against a Pratt and going, oh, well, congratulations! You certainly are a top twenty-five team, because to some degree, three quarters of Division Three should be winning in this with this schedule.
12: Yeah, but at the same, I mean, they wouldn't be winning the way they are. And the one that really hit me, I watched most of the game against Williams, and and given Williams is not where they normally are, they do have size and talent, um, which True. which typically if you're if you're a weak team. Is going to show. And St. Joe's was the better team all around. They had size to match up with them. They had talent to match up with them. They played better. They made fewer mistakes. That wasn't like some sort of fluky thing. I mean, St. Joe's was better than Williams. And we're talking about a mid level NESCAC team here. You know, like, True. I mean, that, that, that's, that proved a lot to me.
0: Well, the proof really comes in the pudding coming up because on Wednesday, they've got, they got a game at Albertus Magnus. And yep. then on Saturday, they're on the road against Johnson and Wales. And I know Johnson and Wales isn't the team of, of yesteryear um, that would, were pretty good, but they're still a well-coached program that's good in that conference.
12: It's the two best games they have, two toughest opponents they have the rest of the season. And right. um, Johnson and Wales still has Brian Hogan-Gary, who's putting up you know, 35 points against D1 teams this year. So, it, you know, it, they're, they're no slouch.
0: And it's a three-way tie at top. Albertus, Magnus, LaSalle, all at 3-0. and Anna Maria, by the way, is 3-1, and but they're 6-11 and overall, which also means I, I may have rattled off some games. Did I mention the Anna Maria? I did not. Their conference schedule is weird this year. Yep. Um, it's tough to wrap your mind around, folks, and I'm not going to try and dive into it because um, they've got so many. But and again, it's Jim Calhoun head coach, so you can't ignore that either. He's got 900-plus career wins now on, on his resume. It's not like he's a slouch, and he's clearly, Ryan, taking this more seriously than I
12: think a lot of people thought he would. Well, yeah, especially with the roster turnover. They had a couple guys who transferred out with hopes of playing D1, um, and that and changed the makeup of the team quite a bit. And so... Um, you know, it takes a coach to put that together, right. And manage the chemistry and get them playing where they need to be. And they clearly are right now. I mean, yeah. this is a much different team than they were at the beginning of the season. And you have to give uh, Calhoun a lot of credit for that. And he is hiking, you know, stomping up and down the court and, and just as involved <laughs> as he ever was, you know, it's yes. not like he's sitting back, letting the assistants do all the work.
0: No, I don't think he could, to be honest with you. Um, all right. So a couple questions for you, by the way, uh Clayton Ramberg says, uh, Oshkosh is the best team I've seen in this year. How they have six losses is confusing.
12: Uh, I think that's what a lot of people would say, wouldn't they? Because you didn't see them in the games where they were losing. <laughs> they looked really good against some teams, and, and they've looked not so good against others. And <laughs> we should point out
0: you know, that we knew the two losses they had, but then early in the season they also, Duax, decided to stop playing. Um, and so they, they, they were – I would say this is the first time they're totally comfortable with the roster that they've got. Um, that might be part of this.
12: Yeah, it's definitely taken some time for them to adjust to the different roles that they're being asked to play. Um, you know, and, and some of it comes down to, you know, hitting shots here and and not that, I mean, they went to Whitewater and won by two points. It's not like they're dominating the conference, right? They just happen to be the best record right now.
0: And by Um, the way, when we deep dive, we're not necessarily saying they should be a top 10 program. <laughs> That's the other thing here. I still didn't vote for him this week, right? right. I, I just, just think
12: that there's someone to be watching.
0: Right, exactly. It's a radar thing. Uh, Gary Gelfman had asked me this earlier. I'd love to get your take on it. He said, did the losses to Eastern, did the, did the loss to Eastern, he talking about Stevens, I apologize. Did the loss to Eastern on Eastern's court hurt Stevens even though uh, they beat the sales at Stevens and were projected to finish third in the Mac Freedom uh, they only one game behind Eastern and Sales right now. How does that affect them conference and nationally? Conference-wise, they stay in the mix. They can figure that all out. But nationally-wise, this is a team that you know. a few weeks ago, I certainly was eyeing for maybe a top 25, and I've actually been a little startled by how they played in the conference. A conference, I think, is very beatable.
12: Yeah, I I mean I I still think they're the best team in the conference. Um I expect that they will win that conference tournament. Um obviously there are always upsets. It's not like they're dominant, you know, Desales can still win that thing. There's other good teams in there. Um but it is, you know, their pool C chances are pretty much out the door at this point. Yeah. Um you know, right. Matt Snyder's numbers has them. He's got them sitting as the 19th best pool C team right now. Oh. Uh, if you're sitting at 19 at this point, you're out basically. Yeah, you're done. Because there's always going to be a few pool A teams that lose. Um, and and you're going to have to take a few more losses and to end up in pool C. Um, so, you know, I, they've got decent numbers, but I don't think they can count on an at-large bid at this point because no, of some of these losses they've taken.
0: No, I agree with you entirely. Absolutely. Sir, with that, I'll wrap it up. I appreciate you joining us here from uh, New England. Fun to have you in from New England, to be honest. And uh, we'll look forward to having you to either, uh, either and or both, either on the uh, marathon show coming up Thursday or the uh, big show uh, after the Super Bowl on Monday. But as always, we give you the final word, final thoughts before you sign off.
12: Um, I want to thank uh, the coaches I got to talk to this week. I think the next Around the Nation column will drop tomorrow. Um, I don't always know exactly what the schedule was, but I talked to five coaches with a combined 4,000 wins wow. uh, last week. Um a couple of them retired, and so they had some time to talk to me. And that was just a real <laughs> privilege to be able to have some of those conversations. And I think the, the piece came out really, really well. Um, and I'm excited for everybody to be able to read it this week. Um, but I am reminded that once a coach retires, they have nothing but time, and they love talking about basketball. So if you see one sitting in the stands, don't be afraid to go over and talk to the coach. They, they love it.
0: That, but also be prepared.
12: Uh, <laughs> The schedule. um schedule
0: by the way your article about the australian wildfires and players in division three was a terrific one you've had some great articles this year i encourage everybody to read your stuff but uh you've had you've had some really good ones this season and i applaud you for them
12: yeah thank you very much and and uh uh it's it's always great to talk to players in division three and i love the way that um Pat and Gordon have kind of set up the column for me now that it's not always X's and O's basketball stuff, mm-hmm. but getting to know and explore division three at, at a deeper level. I, I just love the chance to talk to these players and coaches. Um, it's, it's, it's so much fun. And yeah. the same way that I love meeting the message board posters at Middlebury. I think I talked to seven of them while I was there, <laughs> uh, between the two sides. Uh, and, That's awesome. and it's always great when you see us around to come up and say hello, mm-hmm. um, We love having those D3 conversations. Agreed. Agreed.
0: Sir, enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Take care of yourself. Sounds good. Ryan Scott right. joining us on the BlueFrame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. If you're looking to upgrade your streaming capabilities or your broadband cap, not broadband, but broadcasting capabilities, give BlueFrame Tech a call. You can find them at blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. Their production truck software or their streaming platforms, which includes the Team One Sports app, which allows you to be your show like mine to be seen on Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Roku, or Android devices. Well, it's certainly pretty cool and we appreciate their support if you do go to them and and you find your way there and having a conversation with them make sure you send it, you know tell them you heard about it here on hoopsville we'd appreciate that shout out as well that's going to wrap up our show really appreciate everybody coming on the show from trinity texas women's basketball cameron hill from uh wisconsin whitewater women's basketball carrie Corolo. From Colby, Damian uh, Strayhorn, men's basketball, and Yeshiva, Elliot Steinmetz on the men's basketball side of things there. Also want to thank their sports information directors. I'd be remiss if I didn't do that. Um, whether it's AJ at uh, Yeshiva or it's Justin and his assistant, Brianne, at Trinity. Also Chris Ladecki uh, at Whitewater. And I'm forgetting. Oh, Danny, of course. We mentioned Danny Noyes earlier. I want to thank him from Kobe, I want to thank them for helping out as well. Reminder, as planned, Thursday show will be a marathon starting at 12 noon. My plan is to have guests until eight o'clock and then open up the happy hour where that goes from there. We do not know that being said, we also need to be smart about my back. So as we schedule this out, we'll double check all that timing and stuff, but tune in 12 o'clock Eastern time as we uh, kind of officially turn towards the final month of the season with the marathon show. It'll also be a fundraising effort as well. Um, and then next Sunday, we will not be on the air. We're not crazy enough to go up against the Super Bowl. Nobody's that crazy. Well, except for Kobe Bryant. He actually led SportsCenter one night on the day of the Super Bowl. Think about that for a second. We'll be on the air the next Monday. And, of course, uh, regional rankings are still a few weeks away, folks. So don't get too excited yet. Uh, you've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. I want to thank our partners also at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, D3Hoops.com, Ryan Scott, Gordon Mann, Pat Coleman, and the rest for their assistance. You've been listening to the show here on Sunday, January 26th. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you back here on Thursday for the marathon. If you want to talk Division three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. See you on Thursday. Good night, everybody.